The following is a presentation of the Michigan Sports Network. It's a Moneyline Monday presented by the DraftKings Sportsbook app on the huge show across Michigan. Make sure you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and always use code HUGE to get the promo hookups. That's code HUGE when you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app to get all of the hookups. It is a Moneyline Monday presented by DraftKings on the Michigan Sports Network. Are you ready for huge opinions on the Lions, Tigers, Wings, Pistons, Michigan, MSU, and every sports team in the state of Michigan? It's time for the huge show. From the east side to the west side to the UP, the huge show is on air statewide on the Michigan Sports Network. Voice your huge opinions now at 1-866-838-HUGE. That's 1-866-838-4843. Now, the huge one, Bill Simonson. What's up, Michigan? It is time to begin another journey all across this state. 19 radio stations carry us weekdays at 3. For the one close to you, you can go to the huge show. Net. Superfly Hayes is our executive producer. Happy holiday extended weekend uh, to everybody. In a few moments, my conversation with Mark Ewell, executive director at the Michigan High School Athletic Association headquarters in Lansing. And we'll talk about what the MHSAA has done when it comes to transgender high school athletes on the boys and girls side in sports. It was a conversation I recently had with Mark that I wanted to share with you, the audience. We'll do that. Also, if you want to join in at any time on any conversation, the Mercantile Bank listener line is there, 1-866-838-4843. That's 1-866-838-HUGE. Add HUGE Show on Twitter, The HUGE Show on Facebook, and also opt in on that HUGE text chain. Text the word HUGE to 21,000. Speaking of texting, uh, we still have two Labatt Blue golf getaways, courtesy of the Michigan Sports Network and Matt Shepard, that were given away this summer. If you're 21 and up, just text GOLF to 21000. That's GOLF to 21000, and you'll be in the drawing for two nights. Stay 36 holes of golf at the Agaming Golf Resort in Elk Rapids, halfway between Charlevoix and also Dumaglass Golf Resort between Boyne City and Charlevoix. Just text GOLF to 21000. If you're 21 and up, we'll have two other drawings happening later this summer. I mentioned earlier, I had a chance to talk with Mark Yule about transgender athletes in Michigan. We're going to spend a couple of segments with Mark Yule, executive director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association. He's standing by here on the huge show across Michigan. Welcome back, Mark. Good afternoon, Bill. All right. I know we touched on this, I think, a few months ago on air. And, I, and with the transgender athlete stories out there on a daily basis... Without getting into politics, I wanted you to refresh for anybody who didn't hear it before uh, the guidelines slash rules, however you want to describe them, connected to the Michigan High School Athletic Association that are in place when it comes to transgender athletes in the state of Michigan. So we've had a so this topic, Bill, um, for every conversation I continue to have, it dwarfs 
the actual number of students um, who have fallen under the policy. We now are going on uh, nearly a decade of having a, a policy on transgender students. I can tell you that over the past decade, um, on average, we have less than one student a year that contacts our office uh, looking for clarification, guidance, and ultimately an eligibility um, determination. The way our policy works, and what's ironic, is last week the federal government put out um, some, uh, essentially it's a proposal that would fall under uh, future Title IX guidance when it comes to transgender students, and essentially what that policy uh, and proposal said is that blanket um, denials of transgender students uh, participating in athletics would become illegal under federal law. But on the other side of the guidance, it also said that uh, individual decisions can be made uh, when it comes to transgender athletes based on age and competitiveness um, as well as safety and in the sport of choice. So um, essentially what came out last week and got a lot of news coverage um, simply affirmed what we've been doing now for a decade. The way that our policy works is that um, when there is a transgender student who wishes to participate, uh, if it is a trans, um, if it was a student who was um, female at birth, um, so birth gender being female, um, and that student is becomes a trans boy, uh, that student can participate because our current rules now allow any female athlete to participate in any uh, girl or boy sport. That why that's why we currently have students, uh, females that currently play football. And if a school doesn't have a, a girls soccer team, they're able to play uh, boys soccer, etc. So that that population really doesn't fall under our policy because those kids can compete. It's the students that were birth gender male and are now a trans girl student. Those kids who seek eligibility, we ask for information. We make a individual um, decision on each student. We ask the school, what do your school records indicate this student is? Um, if this student is a trans girl, um, what kind of hormone suppression therapy has gone on? Um, has there been any gender reassignment surgery? A lot of those questions that a lot of the national governing bodies and, and back when this started, the NCAA would ask simply so we can have all the information regarding um, the student situation and what it's allowed us to do is work with schools, work with families to really, I think, find a good balance between trying to find opportunities where we can but yet also making sure that uh, we're making determinations based on safety and also based on um, competitive balance. And I'll, I'll end where I started. Um, the policy's been in place uh, roughly a decade, and we have approved less than 10 students to participate over that decade. And uh, we have not gotten any pushback from any of our schools um, previously with the term determinations that have been made. So last week's uh, news story really uh, reaffirmed what we've been doing now for nearly a decade. And when I read that story, that's what prompted me to reach out to you and revisit uh, this topic, because the way they read it uh, paralleled what you've been doing, you mentioned, for almost a decade. 
and I'm thinking, why why didn't the Ivy League do that uh, in regards to swimming? Why every pro sport, uh, anybody out there, follow the guidelines which you've had in place for 10 years, which the government just echoed in regards to Title IX uh, following or adhering to those rules, that it seems to be a real simple process. Now, some will say, Mark, off of what you just said, and I, I, before I even went to you, I, I brought up uh, when there's no boys volleyball offered, and this was back when the seasons changed uh, because of Title IX in that lawsuit, uh, which the Michigan High School Athletic Association was a part of, I said, well, you know, boys can't go play volleyball because boys would take every roster spot of the girls. And that's the reason competitive balance, why boys aren't allowed to play in sports not offered. Correct? That's correct. And, and I think what your listeners need to understand is, you know, Title IX is in place not to represent both genders equally. It's to represent the history and it's to protect opportunities for the historically underrepresented gender which obviously has been female athletes. And in that, you know, many times what you mentioned, some of the other states, Bill, and the Ivy League, you know, first of all, some states have different state laws and and they need to abide by those. In Michigan, we currently have no uh, specific law that deals with transgender students and their opportunities. So um, that's what's allowed us to create our own policy. That's what's allowed us to have our own policy. And, you know, I think the the key part to our policy, which is different than, say, what the Ivy League did, is we want to know what that student story is. Um, how long has this individual been a, a, a trans uh, transgender student? Is this a bona fide transgender student, or is this simply uh, someone who, who gets out of bed one day and says that they're going to now identify um, as a girl when their their birth gender was that of a boy and they're going to do so to try and dominate athletically well under our policy we could stand up and say no uh, we are not going to give this individual eligibility but yet what our policy has also been able to do is for these students um, who have been transgender for a number of years have met um, the criteria all their school records um, refer to them as is the transgender then we're also able to make uh, decisions on on the other side of that fence. So, um, again, we have the ability to say no when it's appropriate, and we also have the ability to, to say yes when it's appropriate. And that's why we think we've really found the sweet spot of being able to take every one of these complicated situations. Again, it's been less less than ten over the years um, where we've been able to make what we believe is the the right and fair decision for everybody involved. Common sense. Uh, it really is just common sense guidelines, Mark. And when you first brought it to my attention a couple months ago, I'm like, you know, this is a blueprint uh, for the rest of the country. It's fair. Uh, it, it it hinges on hormones, testosterone, uh, the competitive advantage, uh, those levels, uh, which all should be uh, looked at. And I am surprised that... Um, you know, every state, every sports governing body uh, isn't doing this. Uh, what the state of Michigan is doing at the high school level. And then I saw the story last week from the government saying you can't blanket, which would be discrimination. OK, I get that. Right. I, I understand yep. that it would be discrimination. But you're going to look at it case by case. And you mentioned in a decade, state of Michigan, 10 million uh, people. How many student athletes each year for about 180,000. 180, 180,000, all the Michigan high schools. 
So that's 10 years, and I know students are there four years, but we'll just say 180000 a year, and you've had one. So the question is, you know, the politics involved in this, uh, have uh, has the governor's office or anybody came to you in the last couple of months and said, we need to talk about your policy or what are you doing uh, connected to transgendered athletes? We have not. Um, a bill was proposed. Uh, during the last legislative session, um, of which there was no conversation ahead of time. Um, a group of lawmakers put forth a, a, a bill that would have uh, limited uh, competition to the, the birth gender, and we simply felt that we did not need to engage in that conversation, that our policy was working, and that legislation ended up uh, not moving anywhere. So, no, we haven't had any recent conversations, and just like today, Bill, whenever we're, we're offered the opportunity to talk on this issue, we just emphasize what our policy is, that, that folks know uh, that it's there and what it does. And, and the other thing is, again, that it's been less than 10 students over the last decade that uh, we've even, you know, had a story that we've had to look into and consider and ultimately uh, make a decision on. So we, we feel like what we're doing right now uh, works for us and like I said, it was only uh, confirmed and reaffirmed with what the federal government put out. And I will say from on the outside looking in uh, to what MHSA does for the member schools, for the student athletes, boys and girls, uh, people of all races, all uh, religious denominations, uh, everything is fair and equal treatment uh, in the state of Michigan when it comes uh, to high school sports. On that note, I know Title IX, the celebration, and the Michigan High School Athletic Association has been a part of it, Mark. I do want you to hang around uh, the impact of Title IX on high school sports uh, in the state of Michigan, where it's at now and moving forward. Uh, We'll spend a few minutes on that topic. I know you're a busy man, so stick around, Mark, okay? Will do. All right, Mark, you'll executive director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association. I know I've said it before to all of you. I watched this man deal with COVID and the politics and the pressures. I watched him on air, off air. I've never seen anybody, even the tone of his voice today, you hear fairness. You hear common sense. And some will say they've had one case in 10 years. Why is this a hot-button story? Because it went political. Michigan High School Athletic Association has never allowed it to go political because here are our rules or guidelines. But my Lord, with Twitter, Facebook, and everything out there right now, you would think there's a thousand transgender athletes ready to hit high schools. That's why we all need to step back and take a deep breath because if we live by Twitter, we can die by Twitter. We'll talk about Title IX, its impact on female high school athletes in the state of Michigan. Mark Ewell, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association, will join us. I do want your thoughts on boys, girls, transgender athletes, state of Michigan. It's our huge question of the day. Uh, you can join in one 866 I will tell you, I'm not going to take calls until the end of the hour, uh, next hour, but I will listen to you, with you listening to Mark and myself. Uh, so just keep the number. Call me later, one 866 And also on the social networks, add Huge Show on Twitter, The Huge Show on Facebook, 
And you can opt in on the HUGE text chain. Text the word HUGE to 21000. From Detroit to Petoskey, this show is HUGE. Hey, it's Brett from the Michigan Sports Network. And if you haven't had the chance to download the DraftKings Casino app, well, now's the time to do it because any new customer who signs up using promo code HUGE can get a match on their first deposit and score up to $2,000 in casino bonus funds. They've got all the classic games like blackjack, roulette, and slots, but they also have exclusive games that you can play on your time, in your space, and within your means. It's also super safe, super reliable, and secure, so you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you're ready. All you have to do is download the DraftKings Casino app now and sign up with promo code HUGE, and you'll get a match on your first deposit of $5 or more, up to $2,000 in casino bonus funds. Only on DraftKings Casino with promo code HUGE. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services Gambling Disorder Helpline at 1-800-270-7117. 21 and up, Michigan only, one per opt-in customer. Minimum $5 deposit, max match $2,000. Deposit and bonus amount require 15 times playthrough within 30 days. See terms at casino.draftkings.com slash players choice. Restrictions apply. Bill Simonson here for my good friends from Westside Beer Distributing. Now, they're proud to support the Folds of Honor Scholarship Program, benefiting the families of fallen and injured soldiers and our first responders. Folds of Honor provides scholarships for education to ensure our heroes' children can attend college. And Westside Beer Distributing has contributed over $100,000 since the program started and will be donating another $15,000 this summer to the Folds of Honor to help a local hero's child. Anheuser-Busch, which is the Folds of Honor's longest-standing partner, has donated over $21 million to the cause. Budweiser and Bud Light will continue to honor Folds of Honor this summer with special edition 16-ounce aluminum bottles. Look for them at a bar, restaurant, or retailer near you and support this great cause. Meyer Super Sale is Sunday through Tuesday. For three days only, find super low prices on items like Eckrich Meter Cheese Franks for just 99 cents. Buy one, get one free Meyer 80% lean ground beef. And Aunt Millie's Hearth Buns for just $1.99. Plus, earn double points with Emperks on your total purchase July 2nd through 4th. Don't miss limited time prices during the Meyer Super Sale, Sunday through Tuesday only, while supplies last. Exclusion Supply. See all the deals in the Meyer app. Roast Umber is a farm direct coffee sourced from Central American farmers and roasted in Grand Rapids. And also the Nitro Cold Brew Coffee is a convenient and healthy option for energy with no sugar additives. Look for it at your local retailer or at RoastUmber.com. Monster Truck Madness. Saturday, July 1st at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. It's a monster truck invasion. Plus an awesome fireworks display after the show. Gates open at 4. With a huge pit party till 6.30. Monster Truck Madness. Tickets just $25 and are on sale now. At the box office or eticks.com. Call 877-2-EAGLE-2. Saturday, July 1st at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. Monster Truck Madness. Bring a lawn chair and hang out for the thrill on the hill. Drive for a cause at Mini on the Mac on August 4th and 5th. Hundreds of Mini Cooper owners will come together at the world-famous Mackinac Bridge. You can register now at MiniOnTheMac.com to be a part of this one-of-a-kind event. That's MiniOnTheMac.com. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. 
Michigan High School Athletic Association Executive Director Mark Ewell uh, joining us. Uh, we talked about the guidelines for transgender athletes and the rules that have been in place for 10 years, a common sense system for Michigan high schools and the student-athletes. And last year, you had the 50th anniversary of Title IX, and the Michigan High School Athletic Association did a full year uh, saluting the advancement of high school sports in the state of Michigan on the ladies' side. Uh, How has it grown, Mark? Uh, When you talk about that decade that we just mentioned since you had the transgender athlete uh, rules and guidelines in place, uh, the growth of girls' participation in high school sports in the state of Michigan. How has that been over the last decade? Or maybe if you roll back to 1972 when Title IX first came into play. It's been incredible. Um, I had a really unique professional experience last year. I was part of uh, the governor's task force on women in sports. Um, It was actually chaired by our Secretary of State, uh, Jocelyn Benson, uh, an incredibly diverse group of representatives uh, on that panel, one of which was Carol Hutchins. And Carol, of course, just retired uh, at the end of last season as the longtime softball coach at the University of Michigan. Well, Carol played basketball um, at Michigan State in the late 70s. And uh, she played uh, women's basketball and softball at the same time, ironically, with Magic Johnson. And she was able to share some experiences again from still in the 70s of what her experience was like at a Big Ten school, what the women's teams were given, what the men's teams were given, and just, um, you know, the ongoing battle for more um, progress and equality. And and so now when you fast forward over the 50 years of Title IX and, you know, what we pride ourselves on at the MHSAA is it's not just about opportunities for kids. Um, it's not just having the same basketball opportunities for girls that you have for boys. Even though it is incredibly personal and important to me that all of our dual gender sports, those sports where there's both boys and girls, that the seasons are the same length, the number of games are the same length, and our final venues for both are as equal as absolutely possible. You know, I'm proud of the fact that both Girls and boys basketball finals are at the Breslin Center at Michigan State. I'm proud that our tennis finals, our swim finals, our golf finals are the same venues and courses uh, that we use for both the boys and the girls. Uh, Girls soccer, they even get a little bit more of the benefit because girls soccer, we play those championships in mid-June on the best grass surface you could find at Michigan State University. While for boys soccer, which is the first Saturday in November, we have to use high school facilities with turf just based on the weather and field conditions. So it's not just the opportunities and kind of the nuts and bolts of the experiences that we provide, but we're just as passionate about finding leadership opportunities for women as well. We sponsor every other year the largest women in sports leadership conference anywhere in the country, and we try and we bring in over a 1,000 uh, female student-athletes to the um, hotel in, in uh, the Lansing area, we meet for two days and we try and show young women that there are pathways not just for participation, but leadership, whether it's in administration or whether it's in coaching or whether it's in officiating or whether it's in sports medicine. And so it's important that we not just meet the letter of what Title IX requires in terms of participation opportunities, but we really try and go above the spirit of Title IX, 
that uh, we're not just meeting what the law requires, but we're trying to do everything we can to make sure that there are opportunities for young women, uh, not just as participants, but also as future leaders. And um, having been married to my wife, I will be married 27 years this summer. Every day I've known Marcy. She's been a high school basketball coach. We met as she was just finishing up her college basketball career. Uh, I was coaching in college at Caledonia High School where she was student teaching and coaching girls basketball. So literally for the 29 years I've known my wife, she's been a high school coach every day that we've been together. And she's provided just incredible insight and feedback um, which has really given me a unique perspective. And then, you know, our youngest kid's now a 16-year-old high school sophomore, and she's a three-sport athlete. And uh, it really even becomes uh, personal when you've got a couple family members that uh, probably love sports uh, or are involved in sports at a higher level than even I am. So uh, that's why it's so important to the MHSAA generally and also to me uh, as the director personally. Yeah, and being just a sports dad, uh, you've had sons and daughters uh, go through the high school ranks in the state of Michigan. I will say when I had my daughter, Ava, that my viewpoint changed. And even today, I'll still challenge a school and say, wait a minute, you're sending the boys with a bus to and from and the girls have to get a ride home? No way. And I'll and I ride them and I'll, I'll tell the school like, no, you got to make this fair and equal. You know, you have to. Boys get a deluxe football bus, but you're going to send the girls uh, on just a regular school bus. So it's being that sports dad, but also the fairness, the equality. And you mentioned Title IX, and when it came into play in 1972, it basically reads in a simple form, no person in the United States shall on the basis of sex be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. And that's the key, receiving federal financial assistance, and also on the basis of sex. So that ties back in uh, to Title IX and also uh, the current transgender athlete debate that we see at multiple levels uh, across this country. Mark, I... I knew when we never talked beforehand, I just said, hey, we're going to talk about this in the first segment, this in the next segment. Uh, I knew you would be straightforward, honest, and deliver a lot of stuff that a lot of people hadn't heard. And that's my entire goal when I bring you in studio, when we do have our conversations on the phone, uh, because you can really educate uh, the moms and dads, the high school sports fans, school administrators, and more who are listening all across Michigan. You set it up, Bill, and uh, no, it's always a great conversation. And you know, we are as open and transparent as we can possibly be in what we think are all areas, but especially when questions and concerns come up with Title IX and, and you know, now this new kind of subset under Title IX of transgender. And no, our, our policies and the way we handle it um, are out in the open. They are as transparent as transparent can be because I believe that uh, is always the best way to operate. All right, what's uh, the next sport that will be added for girls? Because then you'll need, you know, under Title IX, you'll need the next sport added for boys. I know we've talked about that a lot. Uh, the next sport for girls, uh, is it is it ice hockey? Is it, uh, you know, girls flag football? I know the seasons uh, bring a little bit more of a challenge than down south. 
what do you think will be the next sport added or what's on uh, the short list for Michigan high schools on the female side and also on the male side? So that's, that's a really good question. And, you know, and I think in association work, uh, timing is truly everything. And, you know, as we were in the middle of the pandemic and, and really coming out of the pandemic, it was clear from our schools that we wanted to stabilize what we were currently sponsoring um, rather than adding anything new. And now as we are really getting into a, a post-pandemic world, it's time that we go back to that short list and we look at the sports, whether it be boys volleyball or whether it be girls uh, ice hockey. You know, water polo is something where we've had some conversations with um you know, really trying to figure out uh, what's next, what's the, the new opportunities for kids, but yet also making sure that we can support and stabilize what our current sport offerings are. Um, you know, interest of kids today is different than what it was 10 years ago or even 20 years ago, and that's got to be something where that ultimate decision is really driven by our membership in making sure that, uh, you know, girls wrestling was, was really uh, it's very straightforward to add. When we added it, you know, some said, well, you shouldn't have the same 14 weight classes with the boys because you've got far fewer girls. Well, I said, no, uh, not just under the letter of Title IX, but the spirit of Title IX. If the boys have 14 weight classes, we're going to have 14 different weight classes for girls because opportunities are going to be the same for boys and girls. And um, just going to shoot straight with you, Bill. The, the most challenging thing is certainly the most uh, popular emerging sport is boys volleyball and if boys volleyball is something that continues to move forward on um, something that that could be part of our program then the the question that we've got to get answered sooner rather than later is what then is that next opportunity for girls uh, to make sure that uh, that we're compliant with everything that title nine requires so i guess that'll be a reason bill for us to have the ongoing conversation on the weeks and months ahead because uh, that's a decision where, where we're just not close to having yet. Yeah, because I it, the boys' volleyball seems easy. You play it in the spring, the gyms are open. Uh, that that seems like an easy one, but it, it's adding the girls' uh, sport to match the equal opportunity in Title IX that, you know, girls' ice hockey, you know, uh, rink time is always tough, still is. A lot of teams are practicing before school, like at 530 Six in the morning, and uh, the flag football, I know we've discussed that multiple times in the studio. Uh, when do you play that? Do you play it in the fall? Uh, do girls double up and play two sports uh, in the fall? Uh, you know, Do you play girls football and use the fields and play it on Mondays and Tuesdays? Who knows? I mean, it's, a, it's interesting. The list isn't, you know, for adding sports, yeah, volleyball, water polo you mentioned, there's it's not like a laundry list that's long with like 10 sports you could add tomorrow. No, and that's, that's really the, the biggest challenge, as you said. The, the boys' volleyball, I mean, you've already got uh, gyms, you've already got the equipment. In many cases, you've already got a coaching network that's easy to plug into. Um, you know, we just haven't seen the growth over the last decade that we thought we'd see in girls' ice hockey. So that's why we're just, uh, you know, we're going to listen to our board, we're going to listen to our schools, and really uh, try and get this right, not necessarily get it fast. Mark, appreciate the conversation this hour on the huge show across Michigan. Safe travels, my friend. Thank you, Bill. Talk to you soon. Everything huge, 24-7 at thehugeshow.net. At Mercantile Bank. 
We believe supporting the communities we serve is a vital part of who we are. Our team is here to make a positive impact, a real difference, and we're always looking for leaders to join our team because we're not just a bank. We're a partner here to support what matters most. Come grow with us. Visit MerckBank.com to learn more and let's support our community together. Mercantile Bank. Member FDIC Equal Opportunity Employer. Grand Rapids, you asked for it. Big Time Rush are coming. Big Time Rush, live in concert. Can't get enough tour. Van Andel Arena, Friday, July 21st. With special guest Max and featuring Jax. Get tickets now at LiveNation.com. For more, visit BigTimeRushOfficial.com. I'm Matt Shepard, the voice of Detroit baseball. I'm Herman Moore, and football is my game. So we know a few things about sports. And the passion of Detroit fans. That's why we're big fans of Eagle Casino and Sports. It's the mobile sports book that lets you bet on action all year long. Right from your mobile device. Eagle Casino and Sports. Made in Michigan. Made for Michigan. Download the app and start winning today. Must be 21 or older and in Michigan to play. Have you ever played golf at Tullymore, St. Ives? Have you experienced a stay-and-play package in Canadian Lakes, Michigan, less than an hour north of Grand Rapids? Well, here's what you need to do if you want to take advantage of great deals right now. Go to TullymoreGolf.com. That's TullymoreGolf.com, and you'll see the link for packages, accommodations, dining, meetings, weddings, events, and so much more. And especially golf on the 18-hole layout at Tullymore and the 18 holes at St. Ives. And they can accommodate any group, whether it's two people getting together or 200 looking for a weekend or an overnight celebration. That includes a little business, golf, great food, and beverages. Just go to TullymoreGolf.com. That's TullymoreGolf.com. They're located in Canadian Lakes, Michigan, less than an hour north of GR. Get more info at TullymoreGolf.com. Make sure you listen weekly to our Moving Ferris Forward interviews with Ferris President Bill Pink and other leaders who are moving Ferris forward. Find out more about Big Rapids and Ferris and what they have to offer at Ferris.edu. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. We are back on The Huge Show across Michigan. Happy holiday weekend to everybody enjoying the extended time, whether you're working today or hopefully had some time off this weekend, tomorrow with the 4th or today on July 3rd. I want to thank Superfly Hayes. This dude is always positive. He brings it each and every day. Thank you, uh, Superfly. And earlier, Eric Zane had a chance to talk with Mr. Trump about sports. I, I know that Trump is big on sports. He's big on golf. He's big on, I mean, hell, he ran a, a USFL football team back in the day. Let's bring him in for our first ever segment with him, Trump on sports. Mr. President, how are you? Big Fred Zane, how are you? This is President Donald J. Trump. I, I, I know that, sir. It's uh, it's good to hear your voice. How uh, I, well, I, Of I, course, I'm, I'm in a motorcade right now, Big Fred, and who's 
Who's the little boy that's with you hosting the show? Uh, that is, uh, that's Brad. That's Brad. He's actually quite tall. Of course. So. Well, you know, I know Hughes quite well. You know, he's he's from Sparta, Michigan, I believe. When I would do the rallies in Grand Rapids, we would go there to maybe the most wonderful chicken restaurant called Wing World. It's tremendous. You got to try it out. It's in Sparta. Uh, Hughes is from. That, yes, he is from from there. He's one of the uh, uh, Sons of Sparta. He's part of an organization called Sons of Sparta. And I didn't realize that you went to Sparta, Mr. President, and went to the chicken well, restaurant. Course. You know, when I'm when I'm in the area, I'm, of course, going to go to the best restaurants. In fact, the motorcade just dropped me off at a Cuban sandwich shop right here in beautiful Miami, Florida. Okay, so you're... You're getting a Cuban? Uh, I, I didn't. I was looking at the helicopter footage. I didn't see them drop you off at a at a restaurant. Oh, yeah, you no, get... we just made a lot of statements to the media. I went out and we talked to the media. I was in the Cuban restaurant getting the sandwich. You got to talk to the supporters. You know, we're almost to the airport right now. Oh, okay, well, I mean, from there you're going to go from Miami, and then uh, where you where, where where do you go from that point? Well, we're heading maybe tonight. We're going to be doing a uh, thing in New Jersey where I'm going to be speaking, of course, about what's happened today, which is so crooked, you know, totally, totally crooked. We don't need to get into that. I know this is a sports program, right. but, but, you know, the the wonderful th- and, and by the way, having the world's expert in golf on a sports show, probably the best idea you've ever had. And you've had such terrible ideas, Big Fraud. Yeah, well, of course. I mean, we've talked many times, and you've told me about the terrible ideas that I've had. But, in fact, the main host of the show, Huge from Sparta, he's in a pro-am right now, Mr. President. Well, he can't be doing very good because he's, you know, what is what is he doing? Well, what do you mean? He's golfing. What, what do you think he's doing? He's actually golfing? Well, yeah, that's what a pro-am is. You I, Haven't you hosted pro-ams before, Mr. President? Well, of course, you know. And in, in fact, in fact, the PGA players who didn't heed my advice, you know, they, they lost massive amounts of money that was offered to them by Live Golf. You know, I bet they feel somewhat dumb right now. I predicted that merger, by the way, and it's exactly what happened. But whatever Live succeeded or failed, you know, you have to wonder... Who loses, Big Fraud? Is it the PGA? I don't know. Well, I don't know. In fact, I've never really given it much thought until you said it that way. I didn't realize you had such a pedigree, but I guess it makes sense since you uh, have have your hand in golf courses all over the world, sir. Well, and, it's, and my golf courses are maybe the best in the world. You look at the wonderful golf courses that I have all over the country, really, and they're tremendous, beautiful courses <clears throat> of golf. Well, Mr. President, I really appreciate you joining us here for the first ever segment of Trump on Sports. Despite all the craziness going on, you still have time to get in with us and talk a little sports. So you must not have a care in the world right now, sir. No, there's no cares in the world because, you know, we pleaded not guilty, of course, in the document fraud. And that's so true. We're so not guilty. So not guilty. There's nothing to worry about. We're leading in the polls. We're doing Wonderful, really. What what is there to worry about? I mean, I stopped off at a Cuban sandwich shop, Big Fraud. <laughs> yeah, clearly, I mean, I, I mean, if I get indicted for something, I'm not going to be looking to go get a Cuban sandwich. This is this is remarkable, sir. You got to live life, you know, Big Fraud. I've always told you this. You know this. You live life how you want it to be led. If you if you go into life thinking you're a loser, you're going to lose so big. You're going to lose so big. And that's true with sports, too. You know, you're, 
I know you're a big fan of the Detroit Lions. Yeah. The Detroit Lions. Right. They, they go into games knowing they're going to lose. Well, I mean... If they, they, I don't know about that. I mean, they, they've done they've done remarkably well this uh, this past year. They they turned it around, sir. And let's start with that. Turned it around. I think you predicted that maybe they were going to win the Super Bowl. I don't see that happening, Big Frost Zane. Uh, okay, let's let's start there. How do you think the Lions are going to do this year, Mister President? They're going to do so poorly, Big Frost Zane. Let's be so honest about that, right? They've always lost. They're losing. They lose. They lose. It's like watching Joe Biden. He loses. Okay, so you predict how many wins then for the Lions this year, Mr. President? I predict all of two wins for the Lions. You know, they've got to win one or two, maybe, you know, just to make it look like they're trying, but they're going to lose so big. Okay, now uh, you used to run a football team, the New Jersey Generals, and then a lot of people blame you for destroying the USFL. Is that right? Well, they can blame all they want, you know, but the truth is the the organization was so failed from the beginning. You know, no one could turn that around, and I, I basically liquidated it when you think about it. Okay, so that that ended up going south. Is there any thoughts that possibly you could maybe one day own an NFL franchise, and how would you run it, and maybe uh, what would you call the team? I would call it, well, I think I should buy the Detroit Lions, quite frankly, because what is it, Sheila Ford or whatever, whoever owns it? She's doing so badly at it. I think I could I could probably get that organization for next to nothing, really. I, I don't even know how they still have accreditation with the NFL. Well, I mean, she's she's kind of turned the team. I think she's turning the team around. So are, you, are you just not giving her credit because she's a woman? Is that because it sounds like a misogynistic? No, I would never say that. She's 72 years old. She's so much older than me. You know? I, the thing is. The thing is, with with her, you know, she's, she she won a couple of games, right? Big deal, big deal. She can't win. She's never going to take them to the playoffs. Let's be honest about that. Well, they won they won nine games last year, Mr. President. They were eight and two on the back half of the season. So that's kind of that's that's not even There's close. A lot more games than nine to win to get that big fraud. Well, you know that. Well, I know, but you said that they won two or three, so that's completely false. Well, that's all they're going to win this year is what I said. You see, look, you're getting all the facts wrong, wrong like always. You're getting the facts so wrong, so incredibly wrong. Big Fried, you, you, you're just making stuff up as you go, as always. You're on a sports program now, right? Yes, yes. you got to get the facts right. <laughs> okay, um, well, moving on, sir. What do you think about the Denver Nuggets? They won the world championship last night. Well, you know, you know, Magic Johnson uh, called me earlier today about that. It was so great, those nuggets. You know, I've always said so much. In fact, you know, I, I probably, I could probably, you know, I think it's a, a wonderful organization when you think about it that, that uh, you know, Stan, what is it? Stan gets another title? Is that what, is that right? I don't know what you're talking about. It sounds like you had yeah, a stroke yeah, there. Of course, big fraud. That was sounded horrible. You didn't really say anything. You just kind of mumbled a few things. Well, you know, the thing is about this, the Denver Nuggets, they may have they may have won these NBA finals, but let's be honest about it. Nobody's watching the NBA. Oh, come on now. There's, there's plenty of people watching the NBA. You might not be. I don't. I don't think you are. In Miami, I was just in Miami, and I gotta say, Miami is a loser town. You know that. That's where I got indicted. 
Well, I, I wouldn't. I, I don't think you can indict the whole town just because because you got indicted. The Miami Heat. I think that's what we should do. We should go after the Miami Heat, who probably performed so miserably. I've been so busy, didn't watch the game, of course, but I understand they won. You know the. Uh, uh, the Nuggets won against Miami, right? Yeah, I, th- I think we've kind of exhausted your sports knowledge, sir, because for the past two or three minutes, you, you've been speaking, but you haven't really said anything. Has anybody ever questioned you about your speaking pattern? No Whatever would ever question the president of the United States. I know so much about this. You're talking to the guy that maybe invented the vaccine that you took. I know so much knowledge, Big Fraud Zane. Listen, I'm in a motorcade right now. I can barely concentrate. Okay, we've got so much going on. I'm about to get into an aeroplane, and you're accusing me of not talking. You are such a fraud, big fraud. You're always fraudulating yourself around. You know what, big fraud? Enjoy the rest of your sports program. I hope it works out for you. But yeah, but thank you, Mr. President. Uh, oh, you hung up. You hung up. Holy cow! Rude. Big. Bad. The following is a presentation of the Michigan Sports Network. It's a Moneyline Monday presented by the DraftKings Sportsbook app on the huge show across Michigan. Make sure you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and always use code HUGE to get the promo hookups. That's code HUGE when you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app to get all of the hookups. It is a Moneyline Monday presented by DraftKings on the Michigan Sports Network. Are you ready for huge opinions on the Lions, Tigers, Wings, Pistons, Michigan, MSU, and every sports team in the state of Michigan? It's time for the huge show. From the east side to the west side to the UP, the huge show is on air statewide on the Michigan Sports Network. Voice your huge opinions now at 1-866-838-HUGE. That's 1-866-838-4843. Now, the huge one, Bill Simonson. What's up, Michigan? It is time to start up our number two on this Monday edition of the Huge Show. Superfly Hayes, our executive producer. Remember, you can always join in on the Mercantile Bank listener line, 1-866-838-4843. That's 1-866-838-HUGE. And earlier, I had a chance to talk with MHSA Executive Director Mark Ewell about some of the new sports that could be coming to Michigan high schools and some of the new rules. Mark, I'm seeing a lot on social networks and online. These boys' volleyball teams are popping up everywhere in the state of Michigan, club volleyball teams. But it's not a Michigan nope. High School Athletic Association sport yet. Not right? yet, but it's something that we're uh, monitoring and watching closely. And you're right, there is an awful lot of growth. Yeah, I just, that, that kind of, I'm not going to speak for you, all your member schools. I'll do that later. Uh, but <laughs> I, I think just by the conversation, the street talk on boys' high school volleyball and these club teams, even Jeff Risden, one of our Lions insiders from Lions Wire, I think him and his wife are coaching the club teams for girls and boys over in Zealand. It just seems like it's really, uh, like all of a sudden it's there. Like we had discussed it the last couple, three, four years, but it's everywhere. It is. And 
numbers are growing and uh, we survey our schools regularly and what's the next boys sport and volleyball is is always at the top of that list well what other sports pop up from your member schools you know the water polo community both boys and girls um those are both still club too those are both still yep we don't sponsor a tournament there um occasionally you get girls field hockey and then the one that we've even talked about on air a few times and there is some real money there available from the NFL and the Lions. It's it's girls flag football. And so if you're going to add boys volleyball, you're going to need to also add a high number of girls sports. And um, that's where the flag football experience for our young ladies, um, that could be the fit and the partnership. So that's something we're really going to study carefully this summer when we meet with our schools on the fall tour during September and October. Um, you know, because you got you got to find two to kind of marry or, or clip together, and I think it'd be volleyball and in flag football, it'd be the boys and girls water polo um, are probably the ones that uh, are rising to the top right now. But I think interest wise, uh, girls flag football. And this is nothing against boys or girls water polo. I'm not picking sides, but I believe if that was a spring sport, uh, the fields aren't being used. The football fields are vacant. I know lacrosse and soccer take up. Time And I think flag football would be a sport where a girl still could run track and play soccer in the spring. It could. Yep. And then you've also got your, you know, uh, a group of football coaches that could potentially be available in the spring. The, the thing you have to balance is you can't add too many new sports to one season to where then you're going to stretch your numbers um, with your current offerings really thin. And, and that's that's the study and that's the, the big picture look that's got to happen uh, here very, very soon. And I think most ADs would say, bring on uh, 20 new sports. I have so much time on my hands. <laughs> that's also a little bit of a sell, too. So, uh, yeah, a lot of layers to this, that's for sure. When you do add a sport, how what's the process? How long does it take? For from hey guys, we're going to discuss this to the sport or sports boy and girl sport both being added because of Title Nine. How long does that take? So it can it can move uh, it can move quite quickly. So the one policy we do have in place is before we sponsor a tournament in that sport, it's got to be sponsored by at least sixty four of our member schools. So we've got seven hundred and forty eight high schools. So sixty four is obviously a little less than than ten percent. But once sixty four schools are sponsoring and playing it on a club basis, that's really the biggest hurdle to kind of get on the dance floor for consideration of it moving from um, a club sport to a varsity sport. And the last two that we've we've added in each gender were boys and girls bowling. That started off as a club sport. It grew and won 64 schools and each sponsored it. We then took it over as an MHSAA sport. And then boys and girls lacrosse was the same thing. So, uh, like I said, boys volleyball, girls flag football, water polo. I think those are all nearing the uh, the 64 threshold, and, and that's kind of then what triggers our process. Mark Hewell, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association, joining us in studio here on the Huge Show across Michigan. I, I think our last conversations, the last two, there was talk you were going to meet with your executive council. Uh, some rules changes have been approved. Uh, people can find all of this information at MHSA.com, but uh, in terms of uh, out-of-state teams yep. playing them, uh, you finalized that now, right? We did. Big change there. So um, we redefined our school's travel rule as you can go anywhere you want, no longer have to count miles, 
go wherever you want in any border state. And when we say border state, that's Ohio, it's Indiana, that also includes Illinois. Is that all sports? All sports. Wisconsin, we also include Minnesota as a border state, as well as Ontario. So you can go to any location within any of those border areas. And the big change is, let's say that we've got a a basketball school that's going to go to Indianapolis next December for a holiday tournament. You're playing in Indy, so you've stayed within the travel limitation. In that event in Indy, you can play anybody in the country as long as that school is a member in good standing with their state association. So now these large holiday tournaments that have gone on in Chicago or Indianapolis or Milwaukee or the Twin Cities, those are now fair game for our schools to attend. And our schools that are there can now play that school from California or Texas or Florida or whatever. So the the, the push that we got that, you know, our, our schools need, need the ability to play some better competition, our rule now allows that, but yet there's also some sanity to where we're not going to be putting our teams on planes and flying all over the country. Go wherever you want within a border area, which, by the way, there's over 3,000 other high schools already within our border states. So the key is that you stay within that area, and then at that event, you can play and compete against anybody. So it's not only going to be a, a big change for our team sports but our individual sports, you know, some huge individual wrestling tournaments go on in the state of Ohio over the holidays. And now, um, again, our, our teams and our kids could go to that huge invite in Cleveland or Columbus or Cincinnati and could match up with kids from all over the country. And that also works uh, if you look at Detroit, the bigger cities, Grand Rapids, wanting to host a high school uh, tournament with teams from all across the country, and they wanted to do it at Van Andel Arena. They can now do that. And you could get the local, you know, four local schools, and you're bringing in four teams, one from California, Florida, Texas, New York, whatever. They can do that now. They could do that. Um, might be a bit of a tough sell getting the California and Florida teams to come here to Michigan oh, in, in the December, winter. But, come on. But uh, that could now happen by rule, yes. Uh, and anything else uh, along the lines with your executive council that, that will affect uh, the 2023-2024 high school sports year in Michigan? That was the biggest change. You know, we made a, a few little slight modifications um, to some of our undue influence or anti-recruiting rules. So much of that traffic is now moved to the world of social media. So we've now got some new guidance. We really modernized what our rule was to where um, there really is no reason why adult coaches should be following middle school kids who don't attend your school. Um, so that's something we made those lines a little bit. You brighter. mean high school coaches? Yeah. Because if, if, if if that's I'm, recruiting, right? Yeah, yeah. If I'm the high school coach at Central High School, um, I'm not sure why I'm following a 7th or 8th grade kid at Western Middle School, um, not in our district. Um, not really sure why I'm following them on social media. Uh, to me, an adult following a, a 13 or a 14-year-old raises lots of different red flags, um, recruiting only being one of those. So, again, we made the lines brighter for everybody to understand um, when it comes to that world of social media and adults connecting with kids. Well, what about recruiting? Uh, when you look at it with your team at the Michigan High School Athletic Association headquarters in Lansing and Mark Ewell, executive director of the MHSA, joining us in studio here on the Huge Show across Michigan. How rampant is recruiting? Because a lot of people will talk and say, oh, every private school is just recruiting kids and they're taking them from this school over to this school. You hear it whenever a team's not good at one school and a private school's good, 
the parents are screaming, hey, the other schools are recruiting. From your vantage point, running the Michigan High School Athletic Association, public and private schools, uh, how much recruiting do you think is going on? So I'll start this answer with some data. So our membership is approximately 76% traditional public high schools. Every year we run the numbers, we award 131 state championships in a given year. So we're now two weeks away from 131 trophies being handed out with with handshakes. Um, Our rolling average the last three years, so if it's 77% of traditional public high schools, our rolling three-year average is 71.5% of our state champions are also public high schools. So that whole concept of, you know, well, we've got almost three quarters of our schools are public, but the privates are winning all the state championships. The data does not suggest that. You then take that data the next step and say, okay, in a dual sport, what two teams, what what are the kinds of schools that are reaching the championship game? Or in an individual sport, what kinds of schools are finishing in the top five? You run those numbers over the last three years. The schools that reach the championship round or the finals is 74.5%. So our teams that are winning and teams that are reaching the finals, when you go all sports across the board, is almost on the number of what our membership profile is. So first of all, you know, everybody who says that, you know, we we need to separate them or make radical changes, the data does not suggest that. Um, Recruiting in this day and age, Bill, and maybe I'm a little bit more of a cynic as I've been in this business for a long time, but if all the recruiting that some people suggest happens, you're telling me that every one of these stories must turn out perfectly for everybody involved, that everybody's happy at the end of the story. Because you believe in this day and age with social media, if I've been quote-unquote recruited somewhere and it didn't turn out the way that I had hoped or wanted. You're talking or at was, the high school level. At the high school level. That, you know, I get recruited, and I'm doing the air quotes thing as I say this, but get recruited to this high school and the promises that were somehow made that that doesn't all turn out perfectly. In this day and age, you think people don't go to social media and tell their story? And those stories just aren't out there. So what I think happens is you've got a lot of athletic parents, athletic moms and dads, who think their kid is pretty good. And, well, what they're going to do is they're going to kind of shop their kid around that before my freshman year, here are the three or four different schools that are, quote-unquote, interested in my kid. Private schools, right? Private or even public. Moving, you'd have to move there. You would have to uh, move yeah. there. But I think the amount of, of recruiting that you know everybody's convinced happens, I think, is far overblown. Because, like I said, if there was actually that much recruit, I mean, you see at the at the college level, every kid gets recruited, and where kids end up, there's a lot of unhappiness right there. Just look at the transfer portal, and if this was really going on at the high school level, I think we'd hear a lot more of uh, of those stories of uh, of uh, unfulfilled dreams and, and broken promises. So, yeah, yeah Izzo was this on the show uh, last week? Said the same thing. He says a story no one's talking about. Uh, he says, I think there could be 1,300-plus kids left hanging in the transfer portal who left a school they were at Yep, on scholarship. With and, no chair when the music's going to stop. And, and no place to go after you got that. It. And I think high school, if, if a parent, you have this right, and when your kid's in 7th or 8th grade, if you think that private school uh, is a better fit for your kid academically, athletically, you have that choice to move that boy or girl there. And if those parents choose to do that in 7th, 8th grade, 
before they reach high school, that's their choice. I think that some will call that recruiting because mm. the parent did it. Sure. Right. And I and I look at a if a kid moves from Troy to Grand Rapids and the dad takes a job and he wants to move wherever the best hockey team is or track program or America soccer. They have that right. It's America. But everyone thinks every private school has a complete real estate market for uh, incoming kids. Right. That that's the perception that some have. And um, living in this world every single day, that is simply not factually true. So what is your biggest challenge, you think, with you and your team when you talk at the headquarters in Lansing, uh, your executive council you turn to, member schools, what is the biggest high school sports challenge right now in the state of Michigan? I think it's participation numbers. Um, Still kind of post-COVID, still getting our arms around how many kids are playing and and making sure that we support – the sports that we have, you know, football numbers have been a real challenge over the last five to 10 years for a number of different reasons. And I think that player safety and concussions is only a part of it. Um, I think the hard work and, and what goes into getting your body ready to, to play tackle football. Um, so challenges continue in football, but yet um, I also look at, for example, softball, the number of our schools, um, 10 years ago that would have a varsity, a JV, and a freshman team. Those freshman teams have almost disappeared, and a lot of our big schools, Bill, can't even feel the JV softball team anymore. So that's why when we talk about expansion and new sports and new opportunities, yeah, you got to give the, the new activities some attention, but you also can't do that um, to the detriment of what you're already sponsoring. So it, it's Figuring out what kids want now, because I think that the needs and interest of kids today is different than what it was 20 years ago. We've got some sports where we're seeing great growth, other sports where we're seeing um, really drastically declining numbers. And we need to make sure that our uh, program of offerings is matching what kids and families and communities and our schools want. And uh, those answers aren't easy because the answer of something that may make sense in, in Grand Rapids or West Michigan is different than it is in Detroit or it's different than it is in the Thumb or it's different in the UP. The 748 high schools we have, what's great is our diversity in size and in the, the school culture and background. But yet when you're trying to provide a program where everybody plays by the same set of rules, that uh, diversity and differences of schools can also be uh, our greatest challenge. And I think the challenge, whether it is post-COVID, and a lot of it is cyclical with a culture in a school district. It may be a wrestling school district. They may be great in uh, girls softball like Wayland has been for years. Uh, It could be... uh, Four Sills Eastern has 53 kids on their varsity roster right now. 53. Yep. Which is a my and, and will field a freshman and JV team. Yep. And again, that's a Division Four football school, but they couldn't field a girls JV soccer team. Right. So that, and again, is that based on just the cycle of kids in that school where you didn't have enough girls who play uh, soccer, but you have a ton of kids who love football, right? It is. I think part of it's cycling, and, and I'm sorry, to, when you boil it down to its most basic element, in my opinion, being in the business for 30 years, the single biggest factor that determines participation numbers in culture in a program is it all starts and ends with the quality of the coaching staff. Amen. I'm with you one million 
percent on that that you can look at any school district in this state if you're listening in the up right now houghton hancock calumet copper country and wmpl if you're listening down on 96.5 the cave and adrian and southeast michigan near the ohio border all of you who have either played high school sports who coach an administrator or a parent you know the coach who is creating a culture boys and girls and you can see it in your school district And again, that's a big challenge for these coaches to give up so much time for our kids. It's one of the great things that you'll see in life, the dedication of these coaches and teachers, by the way. It's in the classroom and on the field. And I think a lot of it with how teaching and and the cycle we talked about, you need that coach who's teaching in that school. It's a big difference. That is a big – when that coach of that sport is teaching in your school – and he or she can have them in class, can see them in the cafeteria before school, after school, you know, working out, uh, wherever it is. I think that is really big. Culture is directly connected to relationships. And when you have a, a full-time person that is in the building, building relationships with your, your athletes during the school day, I think those only get get those bonds only get stronger after school with that staff. And you mentioned Whalen softball. Why has Whalen softball been so good for thirty years? Two words: Sherry Ritz. Amen. Sherry Ritz has been the head coach there uh, during that entire time, and yet another example of somebody who builds relationships, somebody who's built the right culture, and uh, success begets more success. But. Also in today's society, the 30-year coach, I don't think we're going to see a lot of that anymore, Mark, unfortunately, because parental influence, club sports, when a kid, boy or girl, has played on that club team and you've paid for it, when they get to high school, you think there's a sense of entitlement. Absolutely. They should be playing. And I have seen it at many schools uh, in West Michigan and coaches I know out of here who say, I'm just getting out. Yep, it's not where and you and you and you hear that. My next question will be with referees. I've learned a lot as 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 the kids have gone along, Mark. Just because I, I do look at things, I'm not on referees like I was back in the day when my kids were first starting to play sports, and I'm acting like I was playing. Right, right. I, I kind of sense, and I think it's post COVID. I really do. Mm-hmm. I think it's post COVID, and you and I were on the air through all that. That those referees who still showed up when the sports were coming back allowed them to play. Those men and women, uh, refereeing, umpiring, doing all that, uh, showed a lot. And most of them do it because they care. They're not getting rich. Some do it to stay in shape. And they just kind of still feel they're going back to the good old innocent days of high school sports. And I hope the umpiring, the referee numbers are bouncing back as we've all dug out of this pandemic. They are. We're actually, uh, a year ago, we finished the year with about 8,000 registered officials. And this year, we're up just a sliver under 8,500. So almost an increase of 500 new officials this year, which we're excited about. And again, if if your listeners are interested in getting involved, MHSAA.com, hit the officials button to become an official. But if you have no interest in that, how can you help us uh, attract and keep more officials when you go to your next kids game or your grandkids game or whomever's game and you see a call that you maybe don't agree with just count to 20 before you feel the need to yell something and just treat those folks in a striped shirt or a yellow shirt or a blue shirt 
with common decency and respect, and that would go a long way toward helping um, our numbers. It's interesting. A lot of our adult spectators seem to have a pretty high standard of performance for the officials, but when it comes to their own conduct and behavior in the game, that standard tends to be a little bit lower. And you just common decency and respect. You're not going to agree on everything, but uh, everything uh, doesn't uh, have to become the, the Lincoln-Douglas debates either. Yeah, and with our four-year-plus relationship on and off air, Mark has introduced a great program, Superfly, that I use at my kids' high school sporting events. It's called Count to 1000, Bill, and immediately leave the premises. <laughs> now I, and now I see it because you, you learn, you know, child three is through high school. Right. You know, child four and five are, uh, their children four and five are in sports. And I kind of learn with like, yeah, there's a couple times where you'll be like, what the heck? And I found with me, I'll step away. I don't sit in the bleachers. I stand off to the side. Uh, because if I'm going to grimace, say something, I kind of say it to myself, right? Sure. And But I have learned through my children. You bet. I have. And those officials, you know, soccer officials especially, man, they, they go, there's a lot. That's the most physical sport to referee, uh, umpire, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's, it's amazing uh, what they go through. From Grand Rapids to Detroit. This show is huge. Hey, it's Brett from the Michigan Sports Network. For my friends on the DraftKings Casino app. Uh, So if you like playing slots, roulette, blackjack, all the casino games, well, the perfect place to play those is on the DraftKings Casino app. And right now, if you're a new customer and you sign up using promo code HUGE, all you have to do is deposit $5 or more and get a match on that first deposit and score up to $2,000 in casino bonus funds. Just sign up using promo code HUGE and you could be winning money in no time. It's safe, secure, and reliable so you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you're ready. Just download the DraftKings Casino app now and sign up with promo code HUGE and get a match on that first deposit of $5 or more up to $2,000 in casino bonus funds. Only on DraftKings Casino with promo code HUGE. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services Gambling Disorder Helpline at 1-800-270-7117. 21 and up, Michigan only, one per opted-in customer. Minimum $5 deposit, max match $2,000. Deposit and bonus amount require 15 times playthrough within 30 days. See terms at casino.draftkings.com slash players choice. Restrictions apply. Huge here for all the Mr. Car Wash locations across Michigan. You're going to want to look into that unlimited monthly pass that I use. Superfly Hayes, my producer, uses it. I can get my SUV washed as often as I like for one low price. You can sign up today. Just go to MrCarWash.com or stop by your local Mr. Car Wash location here in Michigan for the one close to you. And to get that unlimited pass, go to MrCarWash.com. Disturbed the Take Back Your Life Tour. Labor Day Monday, September 4th at Soaring Eagle. And same show, same night, Stained. Tickets start at $34 and on sale now at the Soaring Eagle box office or etix.com. Party hard, rock harder. It's been a while. Disturbed and Stained. Labor Day Monday, part of the Soaring Eagle Summer Outdoor Concert Series. Roast Umber is a farm-direct coffee sourced from Central American farmers and roasted in Grand Rapids. 
And also the Nitro Cold Brew Coffee is a convenient and healthy option for energy with no sugar additives. Look for it at your local retailer or at RoastUmber.com. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. Dan Watson, new head coach of the Wings, top farm affiliate, the Grand Rapids Griffins, is standing by on the Roast Umber Coffee guest line. How you doing, coach? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on today. All right, take me through the process. Uh, so you're down in Toledo with the Walleye in the ECHL. You guys are going through a nice playoff run. When do you first get that call or interest from Detroit in asking you, do you want to move up and take over the Griffins in Grand Rapids? Well, it was a it was a lengthy process. Let's put it that way, but it was enjoyable. Um, you know, like you said, going through the playoff run there, and then obviously expressing interest in the job. Uh, it happened, you know, a few days after everything went down there at the end of the season in Grand Rapids, uh, and then from there, they were extremely respectful of what we had going on in Toledo. Um, you know, I did meet with them, uh, you know, via a Zoom call, and and uh, was able to present some material. Uh, regarding hockey and then how we like to play and how I like to play as a coach, uh, you know, spend some time there. And then, and once we lost out in the conference finals, I was able to get to Detroit, sit down with Steve Eiserman, Sean Horkoff, Chris Draper, and Dan Cleary, and, and really show who I am, what I'm about. And, and uh, you know, I, from there, it's just conversations on the phone. And um, again, it was uh, about, a, about a week and a half ago here today that uh, Sean called and, and offered me the job. And, um, couldn't be more excited. Dan Watson, new head coach of the Wings Top Farm affiliate, the Grand Rapids Griffins, joining us uh, here on the Huge Show across Michigan. 14 years of paying your dues as an assistant coach and a head coach in the ECHL. Uh, what did you learn that you were able to deliver in front of Stevie Y and the executive team with the Wings that you think sold them on making Dan Watson the next head coach of the Grand Rapids Griffins? Well, I think the way I go about my business, um, you know, the way we create a, a great environment, a learning environment for our players, uh, a culture that's sustainable. It's not just about one or two years of success. It's multiple years of success. Um, you know, I know there's a stat out there about 56 players that came from Toledo, went to Grand Rapids in the six years. I was a head coach. I'm really proud of that. Just trying to keep guys moving on and moving up. That's what it's about. And I think, you know, that's the period they're in right now. There's going to be a lot of young players in Grand Rapids who the hope is that in two, three, four, whatever their development process is, they're in Detroit helping them win a Stanley Cup. And so I just think the, the ability to work with young guys, uh, get them to trust each other, get them to play for each other, understand that there's individual goals and team goals, you know, that's, that's I think, what kind of uh, hopefully put me over the edge. Ton of talent. Uh, the wings, you know, a lot of people are waiting. When are they going to make that next move? You've been there in Toledo. You've seen the process from Toledo to Grand Rapids uh, to the NHL with the wings. Uh, what's missing from accelerating that? Is it just more experience? Is it better conditioning? Is it uh, a different offseason for the younger players? What would you say is the number one thing you need to address or are addressing right now after taking over in Grand Rapids? 
is a lot of young guys with with limited pro experience. Um, you know, I know in Detroit they're trying to build a core that can stay together. Hopefully, some of these young guys who have been a first or second year pro can jump into that core at some point in time here quickly. But again, is is getting these young guys experience, getting them to develop mentally, getting them to develop physically, getting them to become pros every single day, uh, and then understanding what it's going to take uh, to make the big jump to the NHL. Um, and I think that's the first thing that I have to make sure I've got a good grasp on is get to know these kids, uh, get to know where they're at in their development process and make sure that we're continuing the right way with these young guys. You know, when you look at the previous coaches and you see Blash and Ben Simon and now yourself, and there's a lot of connections and similarities between all three of you, uh, what do you see that is similar and what is different from the previous head coaches here in Grand Rapids? Well, I think, you know what, all those guys you just mentioned, they're, they're well-respected around the league. They're very detailed. They're hard workers. Um, obviously, Blash having the ability to win a championship there. Todd Nelson even winning a championship there. He's, he's trying to do it again here with the Game 7 in the American League. And then Ben Simon as well. I mean, one thing I think that separates me is, you know, I've been in one spot for so long. Uh, I can carry that patience a little bit. There's going to have to be some patience with this next wave of players here. Uh, you know, there, there's going to be mistakes on the ice that need to be corrected. It's not going to be a perfect game every single night. Uh, and I understand that and respect that. And so, again, that culture inside the locker room for me is number one. It's extremely important. I believe that if it's, if it's strong in there, uh, it does carry out onto the ice. That's what I'm looking for, number one. And then just the patience of, of making sure that these kids are continuing to develop to be ready for Detroit. Because you look at culture, you look at youth, which sometimes building culture with youth is really tough because you need those quality veterans off the ice, on the ice. And you use the key word patience because there can be patience in Toledo or Grand Rapids. But when you look at an NHL franchise, you look at a city name called Hockey Town, even with Stevie Y, sooner or later you have to start making the playoffs and taking the team to the next level, no matter who you are as a GM, no matter who's on the ice in Detroit. Yeah, you do. You know, everybody wants to make playoffs, and and the goal is to make those sooner rather than later. Uh, but you need you need good players. You need people that are involved and, and trying to do this the right way. And I, I really believe that with all these draft picks that are coming up, uh, you can still win in Grand Rapids with the youth. And I, I do believe that there will be quality veteran guys who can help show them how to do things the right way day in day out whether it's at the arena away from the arena those guys are going to be special and they're going to be a big big part of what happens here it might not be this year but two three years down the road these young guys when they make that leap they're going to look back and and be able to thank these veteran guys that showed them how to do the things the right way and that's the biggest piece is making sure that we get the right guys uh, to show these young guys how to do it. I, I'm excited uh, to work with these older players, uh, the players that have experience, uh, and, and make sure that they're able to share those experience with their young guys. Dan Watson, new head coach of the Grand Rapids Griffins, Wingstop Farm affiliate, joining us on the Roast Umberg Coffee guest line. So I know you're probably nowhere close to being settled in West Michigan yet, but as Randy Cleves, the Griffins Media Relations Director, told you how great the Cincinnati Bengals are. 
<laughs> you know, first question, because I actually live in Cleveland in the offseason. Uh, he asked the first one of the first questions, he asked if I was a Browns fan. <laughs> and uh, growing up in Ontario, I didn't watch the NFL, so I can say I'm, I watch the Browns because they're on TV here in Cleveland, but I'm not an actual super fan, diehard fan. So he, he's, you know, I could see him a sigh of relief came came out of him when he talked about the Cincinnati Bengals. So I do know that about Randy. And one thing I know about you that Anthony Bellino and the huge show is part of the Michigan Sports Network, and Anthony Bellino is host of X's and Bros. Heard weekday mornings in Toledo and across a lot of Michigan, and a partner with the Michigan Sports Network. So he spoke highly of you, Dan. Uh, good luck. Welcome. Uh, to Grand Rapids in West Michigan, and the Wings uh, bumped you up from Toledo, and we'll stay in touch, okay? I really appreciate it. Thanks for your time today. Everything huge, 24-7 at thehugeshow.net. He hasn't made a putt all day, but if he makes this one, we're all cracking a Labatt. Hold it. Did you say if your buddy makes this putt, we're all cracking a Labatt? How about a Labatt blue light? Uh, yeah. Hey, buddy, you can do it! It's a left-to-right break, just outside the cup, a touchdown hill. Appreciate the support. You guys mind if I putt now? Oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Best putt ever. Because making the big shot is better with a big crowd. Labatt takes everything to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, 2023, Labatt, USA, Buffalo, New York. All rights reserved. Labatt Regulations, U.S. Trademark of Labatt Brewing Company, Limited. Hey, buddy, where's my Labatt Blue Light? He made the putt for crying out loud. I want my Labatt Blue Light. Hey, sports fans, here's a hanging curveball that you can knock out of the ballpark. This is Matt Shepard, the voice of Detroit baseball, inviting you to step up to the plate at Eagle Casino and Sports, the mobile sports book where you can bet on all your favorites all year round, including, of course, our national pastime. So download the app and start winning today. Eagle Casino and Sports. Made in Michigan, made for Michigan. Must be 21 years or older and in Michigan to play. Make sure you listen weekly to our Moving Ferris Forward interviews with Ferris President Bill Pink and other leaders who are moving Ferris forward. Find out more about Big Rapids and Ferris and what they have to offer at ferris.edu. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. Clayton Safey from TheWolverine.com. He's standing by. I shared the tweet and the Facebook post that there's now a, a Beat Georgia. How, how does that go? A, a segment, a moment during practices that I love this, that Harbaugh's raised the bar from just beating Ohio State or winning the Big Ten to now winning playoff games or the natty. Yeah, and they implemented uh, so their nine-on-seven drill, which is you know a typical – run game drill between the tackles, you know, smash mouth football. They renamed that the beat Ohio drill two years ago. They haven't lost to Ohio state since. So who knows? Maybe it'll work. Um, you know, you got to get to play Georgia, uh, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to beat Georgia. So a, a lot of, uh, a lot of games to go between 
now in that opportunity. But Michigan's going right at them. You know, they understand that Georgia's the class of college football right now. They've kind of overtaken Alabama, at least for the time being. You know, Alabama could get that right back in, a, in an instant here this fall. But two straight national championships, they're the favorite to win a third straight. They'd be the first uh, three-peat team in college football since I think Minnesota in the 1930s. So it would be an incredible accomplishment. So Georgia is at the top right now, and Michigan's aiming towards that. Now you get the jokes, you know, should have the beat TCU drill. Completely fair. They shouldn't have lost that game. Uh, but at the same time, I think we all understand that Georgia's kind of on another level right now. Michigan's going to go right at them. I don't know exactly what that drill entails, um, you know, but I would imagine it's pretty intense because – you know, we continue to hear from these guys. They want to beat Ohio State again. They want to beat Penn State. They want to beat Michigan State to win the Big Ten. But they're still kind of looking back at the college football playoffs and realizing they want to make it even further this year. So that's been a big source of motivation. And personally, uh, I think it's a, it's a great idea. They're going right at it. They're attacking their goals head on. And as Jim Harbaugh said in the past, if your goals aren't uh, – if people aren't laughing at you for your goals, then you haven't set them high enough. And there's some people laughing on social media, so maybe they're right on track. Well, what are we laughing at? They're going to be, uh, you know, they have uh, outside of Williams at USC, the best quarterback yeah. returning in the country in JJ, and they have a better defense and a more complete team uh, than USC does. So that's not hyperbole, but I think there's just a lot of Michigan haters. Even I was talking to people where I'm like, look, I, I think Michigan State's going to struggle to be a 500 team. Michigan's in the national championship hunt. That's not playing favorites. It's the truth right now. It is. It's reality. Yeah. And look at, you know, the Vegas odds and everything else. I mean, Michigan's right there as the Big Ten uh, favorite. You know, they'll probably be picked there in the the preseason poll by the media, which, by the way, doesn't have a great track record. So I'm not sure they want to be there. But, uh, you know, they'll be right up there, top three, top four, every preseason magazine you see. Uh, You know, Michigan State, obviously, you know, struggling right now and trying to get back on track and make a bowl game. But, uh, you know, and there are plenty of schools in, in both of those boats, but Michigan right now, with what they have coming back, should be aiming for something like this. Um, and as, as we saw, you know, two years ago, when Jim Harbaugh took the stage at Big Ten Media Day and said, we're going to beat Ohio State or die trying, of course, he had some haters come after him then as well. Um, but at the same time, if you're good enough to beat Ohio State, you're probably good enough to beat everybody else on your schedule. And we saw that last season outside of the, the college football playoff game. So if you're good, good enough to beat Georgia, not that naming a drill makes you, you know, good enough, but trying to attack that uh, you know, can certainly help. If you're good enough to beat them, then you're probably good enough to beat anybody else. So it's, I think it's the right way to approach it. Well, think about how close uh, Ohio State was to beating Georgia in that other semifinal. I mean, and they, they, if they make that field goal, they, I, yeah. I bet my life on it, they go drill. Uh, TCU or at least win that uh, game and their national champ. So I, I don't think Georgia's a world beater. You know, Bryce Young has gone from Alabama. I'm looking at, you know, Texas. I'm going down the list. Clemson, the, the usual uh, teams that are there in the national title hunt, the Oklahomas. I know USC with Lincoln Riley now has emerged as all of a sudden this instant national uh, champion. I, I just like Michigan. I, I really do. I, I think they're going to run the table. I think they're going to win it all. That same focus they had to get by Ohio State back-to-back years, win back-to-back Big Ten titles. I think they're going to make it the trifecta, and I believe they're going to go undefeated. People are coming after me, Clayton, when I said, uh, what is it, 15-0? and 0? Is that the final number if they win the Big Ten yeah. championship? Yeah, yeah. in the two playoff games. Yep. So I said 15-0 and 0 for Michigan. 
14 and 3 for the Lions. And if they get a home field advantage with 14 and 3, they're going to the Super Bowl. And I said 4 and 8 for Michigan State. And now I'm a I'm a hater and I'm a Michigan homer. But if I say I like Izzo and the Spartans possibly to win it all in hoops in the spring of 2024, oh no. Oh no, Bill Bill isn't a hater. Right? Right. Right. I'm getting irritated, man. I don't know if it's a smoke in the air or something. That's true. You're the only show that tells it how it is. That's That's why I bring on Clayton Safey from TheWolverine.com. He's joining us. Clayton, I did share one of your tweets about the post-spring depth chart. Both sides of the Mm -hmm. football for Michigan. What what do you think, and from that story, what would be your biggest surprise or any Michigan fan who went and looked at the story at TheWolverine.com or Clayton Safey, S-A-Y-F-I-E on Twitter and read that story here tonight? What would be their biggest surprise about that Michigan football post-spring depth charts? Yeah, it's a good question. We got the offense out today, defense tomorrow, but the offense, um, and we can talk about the defense too, but offensively what's interesting to me is this is an offensive line with just you know, such high expectations coming off of two straight Joe Moore awards. They got three starters back, and yet really both tackle spots are kind of up for grabs. They have a few guys contending there, uh, and they still need to solidify who's going to win those probably in fall camp. Wouldn't be totally shocked if they brought those competitions into the season, maybe in the non-conference with how weak that non-conference schedule is. But Ladarius Henderson's a guy who – we slotted in at left tackle as a starter, Arizona State transfer, but uh, he just joined the team this summer. I mean, he still has to do it, and frankly, he played mostly guard at Arizona State, so it's going to be a little bit of a transition, but there are some numbers there uh, at tackle. It's really crowded where uh, you feel like your second stringers could start uh, just about almost anywhere else in the Big Ten, so you have the depth, and I feel like you should feel confident in what's going to end up transpiring there. We just don't know what will end up transpiring so that's something that we'll be watching during fall camp uh and then defense as well just kind of how the combinations shake out on the defensive line they're about it's kind of similar about four or five guys at the edge rusher spot that could emerge we just don't know which ones are going to be the ones that are in on an every down basis or if they'll go with more of a heavy rotation so there are still some things with this team that doesn't have many question marks uh to work out and uh and, and those will be interesting to track but uh, the scenarios you go through in your head of how things could play out, a lot of them are pretty favorable for Michigan. My man, I appreciate the conversation. Can't wait for football season, man. We're you know, nearing that two-month mark. Uh, that would be great. Uh, we'll connect soon. Clayton, tell your family I said hello in Grand Rapids. Will do. Yeah, 66 days away. Who's counting? Big. Bad. Huge. following is a presentation of the Michigan Sports Network. It's a Moneyline Monday presented by the DraftKings Sportsbook app on the huge show across Michigan. Make sure you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and always use code HUGE to get the promo hookups. That's code HUGE when you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app to get all of the hookups. It is a Moneyline Monday Presented by DraftKings on the Michigan Sports Network. Are you ready for huge opinions on the Lions, Tigers, Wings, Pistons, Michigan, MSU, and every sports team in the state of Michigan? It's time for the huge show. 
From the east side to the west side to the UP, the huge show is on air statewide on the Michigan Sports Network. Voice your huge opinions now at 1 866 838 HUGE. That's 1 866 838 4843. Now, the huge one, Bill Simonson. What's up, Michigan? It is our number three on a Monday, holiday for some. Others have to work. Superfly Hayes doing a great job on this broadcast. Remember, you can join in at any time on the Mercantile Bank listener line at 1-866-838-4843. That's 1-866-838-HUGE. And earlier I had a chance to talk with one of my soccer insiders, John Conlon who sat down with me, and we addressed everything trending in the sport of soccer. We'll talk about the Women's World Cup. Is this summer? There's like no hype, no conversation, nothing. It's kind of strange. Uh, So we'll get to that. We'll talk about Messi in Miami. I think his debut date has been set. The state of soccer uh, in America from club to high school to college, Uh, to the emergence of so many more professional teams, including one day on the west side of the state. I know the city of Grand Rapids is close to finalizing all the details for a big soccer stadium. When I say big, you know, six to 8,000 or so in downtown GR, so a lot going on. If you have a soccer comment or question, you can join us on the Mercantile Bank listener line at 1-866-838-4843. That's 1-866-838-HUGE. Add Huge Show on Twitter, The Huge Show on Facebook. Also opted on that huge text chain. Text the word HUGE to 21,000. John Conlon back in studio. Uh, It's been, World Cup was the last time uh, we had you. I think so, yeah. Yeah. It's been a bit. What about the Women's World Cup? You and I were sitting here. Like I had to to double check yesterday that it's in Australia, New Zealand. Even right before our conversation this hour, what is it with no hype? In terms of hype, you need stars. For sure. And their stars have all, you know, when we talk about those decades of the Mia Hams and yep. the Pinos and everything, I, I think teams become public icons based on their star power. And I don't think there's a lot of star power on this year's USA squad going in to Australia and New Zealand for the World Cup. I think there is. I just think it's it's young. And, un- and it's soccer star power in the soccer circle. Right, and right? It's, it's unknown. I, I think, you know, with like Mia Hamm and her group, they were the first ones, so Mia obviously was the face of that. Um, then you have the next group that comes along. Um, and then, you know, and then you have all the controversy with Rapino and everything that went on, the social controversy. And so... I just think you have a young group of players that people don't know about yet who are very talented, uh, who are probably the favorites for the World Cup, although I do think it'll be hard for them to win this time. Uh, I think you just we just don't know a lot of these stars yet. Yeah, and, and you get Rapino and Morgan and Ertz uh, still a part of it. So they're trying to balance veterans with the youth, and we'll get to the men's national team, which is doing the same thing. They just went young in that last win over Canada, and they circle back to their coach they wanted, kind of had live auditions. So the state the state of the U.S. soccer program, again, you're closer in those soccer circles, John, and that's why we have you in the studio. I, they, they seem to always be searching for a direction. 
I think we're on the right path, definitely at the national level in terms of what we're doing with our national teams. I still think with our youth system, we're a long way off. Uh, it's still pay to play. Uh, it's still missing quite a few players. It's still having average coaches work with top flight talent. It's still there's not a great pathway. Uh, so I think the youth system is still a long way off. But I, I think with our national teams, I mean, obviously with the women, you know, we're the number one team in the world every year for the most part. We're the favorite for everyone. It's been that way for how long? Uh, since 99, definitely. Right. Um, I was going to say almost three decades. Yeah. You know, even early 90s, uh, we were definitely the best team in the world. I do think the world's catching up on the women's side. I think that England legitimately has the ability to be the number one team in the world right now. Uh, I think, you know, you have Germany and Brazil and uh, Japan and some other powerhouses out there, too, that are are very competitive with the U.S. Uh, On the men's side, we're young, we're talented, super talented, but we don't have the depth that the best teams in the world have. And that's still like I told you this you know, 15 years ago, I think we're 40 years off. I, I, we will not win a World Cup in my lifetime. I'm telling you that it's not going to happen. And the reason is because of our youth development system. I think there's a lot to it. I think uh, we'll get close. You know, we might have a semifinal here. We might have a, maybe even make a final at some point. I just think the depth of our talent at the at the international level is nowhere near the France's, the Argentina, Brazil, Spain, Italy, England. Like, we're just... And why is that? uh, It has to do, to me, with our professional league, which the MLS is starting to blow up and starting to grow, and we'll we'll get into that, obviously, with Messi. Uh, But, you know, with the pay-to-play system we have in the U.S., I mean, it's... I hate to say it, it's an upper-middle-class white kid sport right now, and that's not... Uh, that's not how you succeed at the international level. Like we need to be getting the best players and best athletes from all over the country playing. And um, it's a money-making industry and people are making a lot of money at the top and they don't necessarily care about what happens with our national teams. They're, they're about making money. So why want U.S. soccer and MLS and even the Women's Professional League uh, which they should find a way to merge together and help each other, but that's a whole different uh, discussion. Why wouldn't at least starting with the MLS do academies that are free, where they could reach out to inner city kids, families that you know may live thirty miles outside of a city where they can't drive back and forth every day for practices or games or travel to Pennsylvania or California or Dallas for a tournament? Why not take that? Uh, free academy style that every other major uh, soccer team, uh, national program, what they do in other countries. Well, they're starting to do that. Uh, you know, part of the issue is we're just a massive country in terms of size and in terms of number of people. So having an organized system uh, where we can identify talent is has been very difficult. Each MLS program has an academy now. But they're all funded differently. They all have different resources. You know, you have like Real Salt Lake, which has, a, you know, a full on-site school and academy for kids to be there year-round. Then you have like Columbus, where kids have to live with host families, which, you know, that's a lot to ask for a 13, 14-year-old kid to go away from home and live with a host family. Uh, so it's just every MLS team has a different amount of resources and a different way of doing things, and it's based on how successful they are, how you know how much money they're bringing in. We're just not to the point yet where we can have that all the way top down model uh, like you know England has with their academies. 
why, why, we have the money. Uh, why, why not do it? Uh, is it because of the pushback from the soccer community that's cash and checks from those kids? I'm sure there's a piece of that. I'm sure, you know, I, what I have learned over the 30 some years I've been working in club soccer is that we have quite a few gatekeepers who somehow got into those gatekeeper positions and they decide who moves on, who doesn't. They decide. Uh, who plays professionally, who doesn't. They decide uh, who gets money, who doesn't, who gets into leagues, who doesn't. And we see this all over the country at the youth level. I mean, we have like 17 different youth leagues now uh, all, all at the national level, right? So no one knows what's top, what's bottom, you know, where the good teams are, where the good players are. And it's all about making money. And uh, unfortunately, that just dilutes the talent and then dilutes the coaching as well. Speaking of coaching, John Conlon is one of the top high school soccer coaches in America, also a club coach, and we'll get to both worlds where you've seen it, Yep. where kids who don't have money and kids that do have money. He's one of our soccer insiders in studio. If you have a soccer comment or question, you can join us on the Mercantile Bank listener line at one 838 That's 1-866-838-HUGE. Add Huge Show on Twitter, The Huge Show on Facebook. Opt in on that huge text chain, text word HUGE out of 21,000. So I mentioned uh, you coached boys at East Kentwood for a long time, currently coaching girls at Byron Center at and the did, high school and level. And did girls at East Kentwood. And did girls yep. at East Kentwood. Yep. And then you coached club soccer with, sure. you know, through your children and also away from just uh, your coaching ability. So you've seen that world where parents who have money, where kids can go travel and get the best training and the best equipment, and then you've seen a world where uh, making that high school soccer team means everything to that boy or girl at uh, East Kentwood and even at Byron Center. So that bridge, uh, how do you get people going back and forth both ways on that where it really helps the game uh, advance and go to the next level? It's a great question. <laughs> it's a great. You have too many people making too much money that won't let go of their little piece of the soccer world. So, uh, well, well, you just said, right? The gatekeepers. The, the gatekeepers. And, you know, if, if you ever run into somebody in the soccer world that tells you this is the pathway, this is the way to do things, you need to run from that person, right? You know that they have an agenda, okay? Because I've been doing this for 30 years. I'm not sure I know what the correct pathway or you know gateway is for kids and i've been doing this a long long time would it be smart and and the ncaa's talked about this between the fall season and the spring season and two years of making games count and and keeping it going year around right i think it should happen Uh, what what about the high school level where you would play fall soccer spring soccer i'd be great with that but then you deal with you know title nine you deal with the lawsuit right well the women both sides yeah then you'd have to do on both sides which is great um would would that help the sport or does it hurt it with those kids and have to because a lot of kids are still choosing club and not playing for the high school well and that makes sense um for the top one percent of one percent they're being recruited at the club level like you know the division one coaches are not spending a ton of time at high school games I don't, I don't know if i've seen a d1 coach yeah. ever at a high school game but definitely not in the t- last 10 years it doesn't happen very often uh you know when you play high school soccer you're playing for a community um you're playing for something bigger than yourself it's honestly a great atmosphere for soccer typically like you know we had a we had a game against hudsonville uh two weeks ago talking about byron center girls correct it was regional game and great team yeah and i don't even know how many fans we had there but 
I can tell you right now, you'll never see that many fans in any club game. It's just, it's, you know, the club game is very um, vanilla, I guess is the way to, like, you don't, you don't live and die for the club you play for. It's It just doesn't happen like that. However, the community that you represent, the community you grow up in, the friends you grow up with, you know, playing with them, that's just a different feel. And that's something that club soccer can't replicate, which is really interesting because in England, you know, like you grow up falling in love with a professional team that's usually representative of your community, right? And so the reason people go to those youth academies is because they love that team and they grew up in that community and they want to be a part of that. And we just don't have that right now. So you're not a hypocrite. You do coach club soccer. Yeah, for sure. You, you coach girls high school currently at Byron Center, had a great season. Yep. Uh, you coach for years, uh, the boys and girls at Kentwood. Yep. Uh, so you've seen it all. I want to ask you, outside of your, you know, when you're coaching your children, it's special. You win a tournament, win a league, win a, yep. you know, uh, the ability to go to the next level. Do you find more enjoyment out of a high school season or a club season? Uh, As a coach, def- not, not a parent. Throw throw your kid. Your kids can't be in this. Yeah, I actually, I don't even. Answer. I don't even love coaching my own kids. To be honest with you, I'd rather have somebody else. Coach yeah, them. it's stressful. Yeah. Double, it's double stress, right? Uh, yeah, yeah I, I think that's a tough thing to. I think you see more individual growth out of players in a club season because the amount of time and because of the level. So, like you're of training, you're talking training. about away from games, correct? So, you know, I think as a coach, seeing the individual growth is a lot of fun. But when you talk about um, you know, playing for something bigger, coaching something bigger, uh, you know, having excitement. Like, I don't think you can replicate the two and a half, three months that high school sports do in general, not just soccer, like, you know, basketball, football. Like, it's just different when you're playing for your community. So I, I think, um, do I like that more? I think it it feels more to me like coaching in college. It feels more to me like what, you know, coaching at a pro level would be because you're actually playing for something really important. Um, you know, you go to, a, we're going to be in California uh, for an ECNL event, my team. And ECNL is a, a club uh, high-end league. Yeah, the top, definitely top women's most like, or, you know, pretty much is in the country. Um, but, you know, those kids are out there. They're they're playing for themselves. They're playing to get recruited. They're not necessarily playing to win a championship. And, um, you know, all those kids, every kid that's out there. So it's just a different feel. It's a different, different atmosphere. Yeah, there's something missing. I, I love playing for your school community. I've seen it from my son, Ledge, and my daughter, Ava, uh, that playing for the school really means something, like it did to us when you were growing up down in the Kalamazoo area and me at Sparta. So in high school, soccer is missing, boy, and I've seen boys and girls, and I don't know if it's more like Byron Center did a great boys Saturday get-together with a ton of teams, and all the teams played yeah. two games. I, I, I like that because everyone's there. It's a bunch of team schools. Right now, soccer after school, they go play You know, until you get to the tournament or even the conference or the MHSA tournament. It, it, it seems kind of boring for the kids, yep. unless you're playing your rival or something. Uh, they there, There's something missing on the schedule. And I know you and I, uh, in 15 years, we've talked as our soccer insider, John Conlon, in studio with us, that... I've had this idea now with my connection to Mark Hill. I'm really going to try and see if we can make this happen where I had an idea for Saturday night soccer. Yeah, no, I think it's a great okay, idea. Okay, man, we've talked. Yep. It's just, you know, there's not enough, you know, time in the day uh, to get it done where I said, 
in the fall when the football team was um, out of town that Friday, right? Mm-hmm. There would be a Saturday night boys soccer game like at 6 p.m., even 7, to stay away from Michigan, Michigan State playing earlier in the day. They only play a couple of night games every year. And you would focus your community both in school and your district uh, to draw people out to have it have that Friday night football feel for soccer. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I think, and then you do it in the spring with girls. You could do uh, every Friday night. So you know, I know a lot of people go away or they have other things going on, but you could take Friday nights for girls soccer and and knock it out of the park. I would be interested to see what the attendance change has been since women's and men's basketball, you know, play on the same night. Uh, but now they now they've split it where they're playing on different. Like the girls will play away, the boys will play home. Right. The girls, will, you know, I'm talking varsity. And then, you know, I, I could tell you just straight up on us outside of a few places, like maybe a Hudsonville or South Christian, I've seen the boys dwarf the girls' attendance numbers. Mm-hmm. But I will say in girls' soccer. Totally different. Okay, I've, I've seen bigger numbers for girls' soccer than I've seen for boys' soccer. Yep. To be honest with you, for us to, and it's not easy. At the high school level, I'm talking. Correct. For us to universally allow for kids to play high school, we would need every state in the union to have their you know, boys and girls high school soccer in the traditional fall season, right? If it was done that way, then club soccer could start in November and go to July uh, every year. And then you would not have that you know, that controversy of pulling kids away from high school soccer. Like you'd have a nine month season with uh, club soccer. And I, to me, that's what makes the most sense, right? You go through November to end of July and then you start up the high school season. You know, you have a couple weeks off in between the two. But unfortunately, what we deal with is, you know, Texas in in August is 120 degrees, right? And so they would prefer to play at a different time. And, uh, you know, Minnesota, it, it, their schedules at a different time. Ohio's it's it's summer in the winter, summer in the spring, summer in the fall. So that makes it very difficult to coordinate with the club schedule. That would be the, would make the most sense. But I I I don't think that's ever going to happen. And the girls and boys will play back to back, which so I mean, instead I, of and the JV plays on another night. Yep, and I think just like you do with uh, football, the JV freshmen play the night before. The girls would in soccer. You don't have the flip over you get with football. Uh, it would be you know boys at five. Uh, the first game, girls had 7.30. I think, I think girls' soccer gets a raw deal in the spring, to be honest with you. Like, uh, number one. They so, don't play enough Saturday games. The boys play a lot of Saturday games yeah, in I the th- fall. I think, I why, why won't girls' soccer play? You coach at Byron Center. Uh, why, why won't they play any Saturday games? I mean, why don't I want to? Because I want to be able to go watch my own kids exactly. play. Exactly. <laughs> that's it. Anyway, there you yeah, go. That's, or, or some of those high school coaches coaching club at the same time, correct, too. Correct. Right. And, I, 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 you know, I will be honest. It is very hard in the spring season to keep kids in a straight line because of grad parties, because of um, prom, because it, the spring season is uh, graduation. It's just brutal. And then you have the weather going like we literally had snow up until second week of April. And then it turned to 75, 80 degrees and then went back down to 40 and then up to 100. So the spring season is brutal, absolutely brutal. But because of Title IX, uh, they had to flip the seasons around. And you got, you know, the ideal thing is girls golf should go to the spring. And girls' soccer should go to the fall. Well, you look at women's... Right? Yeah. I mean, I'm talking to Michigan right, right now. Girls' golf, golf, better weather in the spring. 
Or and there's been the argument that boys golf should go to the fall with the girls because they could play the tournaments in August. And, and in Michigan, you lose a lot, what you just said about the weather. So I think I heard Bill Hobson from Michigan Golf Live say the boys and girls should both be in the fall. I 100% think they should both be in the fall. Another Another piece with the recruiting, too, is uh, during the fall season, like if you're playing fall high school soccer, those college coaches are in their season, so they're not really getting out and seeing you, right? But November to July, that's open recruiting time. Like that's time where they're watching you play their club. And so the, what happens is the kids who are playing high school in the spring, they, they're missing an opportunity to be seen by college coaches because Michigan, for some reason, still has it in the spring. The other thing is, you know, in the spring, you're competing against women's track, softball, um, tennis, like, you know, major women's sports. It, it makes zero sense for women's soccer to be in the spring. Um, you know, next time I have Mark Ewell, the Michigan High School Athletic Association executive director in studio, because Title IX would be answered that you're putting the boys and the girls both in the same uh, same season, fall, just like you would do golf, and then you have baseball, lacrosse, track and field. You have girls, boys, lacrosse, track and field, co-ed, right? Softball, baseball, all that in the spring. And part of that lawsuit when it started was to get... Volleyball. Well, it was to get sports in their traditional season so that kids could get recruited, right? But for whatever reason, and I don't... There's so many pieces to it. I don't understand why girls' soccer stayed in the spring, but it definitely is not great for, for women's high school And soccer. I don't think there's a – and you would know it. Uh, you've coached and, and you teach over in the Kentwood system and, and Byron Center. You, know, you talk about a commitment there. They have that they one of the best soccer stadiums. The men Caledonia have great soccer stadiums. So if, if it's in the best interest of the kids and the sport and you'd be combining it – you wouldn't be burdening ADs with more work because the varsity would play on the same night, right? So if the girls and boys varsity played on Monday or Tuesdays, and then the JV would play on Monday, right? Yeah, I, it, it would be interesting, though, to see if, if there are more teams in the fall. What I mean is right now because of spring soccer. Well, volleyball players I don't think is a crossover sport. To no, soccer, not at all, not at all, because of the commitment level. But what I'm saying is, you would definitely like right now because we share with track, we share with softball. I think you would have freshman teams for soccer if it was in the fall. I think yes, more, I agree, hundred percent. You know, more I, realistic. Well, I look at Forest Hills Eastern is a big school. Yep, uh, they do well in certain sports, right? Yep. I'm just saying, you know, get Grand Rapids Forest Hills Eastern. They haven't fielded a freshman or JV team the last. Two years, small school, and they're sharing with track. They're sharing with softball. They're, I mean, it's a D three. Well, you got a your girls lacrosse team is a yeah. There you go. There's another one that's the, in the yeah. It's, in the spring, where they were just in the state championship, I think them and Forest Hills Northern share a team. They were just in the state championship and lost to Brighton. So in the fall, then you would share cross country, which again, I don't think a lot of those girls are no. soccer players in the spring. No nope. volleyball. Yep. I get from your experience, you're at the high school level more than I. I'm just a dad. I don't think there's a crossover there with volleyball. Nope. Uh, you're not you're not battling that space. The only space you would have with issues would be practice because you also have football teams all going on at the same time. And that's probably the argument that MHSA has is field space. Um, I, I would say like D1 and D2 now, the majority of schools we play at have multiple fields though. And, you know, smaller schools might be an issue, but... 
you know, it's it, we're not in the days where everyone, you know, soccer, both soccer programs and the football and track, we're all on the track together. Like that's just not doesn't happen anymore. You have separate soccer facilities, separate lacrosse facilities. Like you, you just things are much different. So I think it does need to be looked at again and see if it's something that's doable. I agree. I I, I think both in the same season and what you said with the clubs in, I would give them that full run and you would get more turnout for the sport. And I don't, I know with Mark Ewell's conversations we've had about adding sports where boys volleyball, water polo, girls hockey all have been in the conversation. Their goal with adding is they don't want to cannibalize another sport out of high school. There's no way you can't do that though. If you, the more but, sports But I you don't add. think girls soccer, yeah. my, my point being here, on other sports you would, but I, I believe girls girls soccer in the fall you know the one thing you would drift into but the boys do it too that some of those boys play basketball right but football drifts all the way into november if the team is have deep in the playoffs soccer usually is over your conference ends like end of october right uh no actually it's earlier than that for for high school boys like districts usually starts mid-october mid-october yeah, so so you're, you're two months i don't think it would it would be much of an issue and in the space i a lot of schools now have the grass space a lot of schools aren't fielding three football teams. I, I think it's workable. That's I, interesting. I, I will tell you, too, the other thing is, you know, most schools now are starting end of August or beginning of September. So you have that three-week period at the beginning of the season where you're, you know, you have all day to schedule practices, right? Like, mm-hmm. so you could have multiple teams on a field. You don't have that in the spring. You know, we're all fighting over gym space because it's snowing out. So you have, you know, eight different programs trying to get in the gym to, you know, have batting practice or run track or whatever. It's just it's just not a great situation. And also with boys soccer, an advantage they get, and you've, you've coached both, you, you've seen on both sides that the boys are already starting workouts and they work out right up until the season. Yep. It'd be kind of like having football in the spring, and you didn't have the winter to get your team ready. Yeah, huge, huge advantage going through the For summer. For boys and girls. So yes. it, is it equal? If you want to get into the Title IX discussion, it's not. To me, it's not. And, I, and I've been doing this for 23 years. I, I've always felt the girls get a raw deal in the spring. Um, but to go back to your club, you know, high school comparison, one thing I, I would say, and this is an argument I have with everybody in the club world, and, and usually the people I have this argument with are people who make their living off of club money, right? The club world can be very static. It can be, there's not a ton of passion. And you know what drives 12 to 18 year old kids to do something is usually passion or something they care about deeply, right? So when you're playing for your high school, you're playing, um, and maybe the competition's not as good. Well, it's usually not as good in high school. You know, the, kids are playing with passion. They're playing with heart. They're playing with energy. It's revitalizing. Um, it can become very static when you are in this professional environment at 13 years old, being forced to go to practice four days a week. The practices are are boring. You know, you have one game on the weekend, like. There is something to be said, uh, which I don't think a lot of people in club soccer get for just building the love of the game, building the passion in kids. Uh, you know, the best players I've coached were not great because of me as a coach or any youth coach they had. It's because they loved the game and they went out and did things on their own. They trained on their own. They, they watched games on their own. And so that's what club soccer has to do a much better job with is building the passion and love of the game. If that's why other countries are so good at the game, you know, as these these kids grow up dying to play professionally, our kids are like, eh, 
if we get a chance to play professionally, okay, that's awesome. But it's not the same passion, I will tell you that. And I know Joey comes in here, he would tell you. Joey Baroni. Yeah, yeah. he would tell you the exact same thing. Like, what's missing from American soccer is that love, that passion, that deep, that deep love of the game. So I've always said the first club anywhere in Michigan that decides to approach high schools and say, hey, we would like to use a club team and the nickname would be the, you know, use your school name, it's club, it would not conflict with your soccer seasons, and we would take kids from your district would be eligible to play on this team in certain age groups. You couldn't do the full club from, you know, U7 to U18, but you take older teams where these guys around middle school could all play with their buddies, and they're in a soccer league that parks some games on Sunday. They might play two games on a Sunday, you know, two times a month where they still would play on their club teams, but they're with yep. their buddies, right? Yep. I, I'm telling you, I, I think – I've said to Mark Hill, why don't MHSA introduce their own MHSA club sports, right? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I, I, you know, the top 1% of 1% is not going to be playing in that league because they, they need to play against the best of them. But we're country. talking about the guys that create the passion, the friends, True. who yes. the neighborhood, they get yes. together. It, it's when we used to go play pickup ball. Oh, yeah. In the streets or someone's backyard, right? That is missing. That is missing. In all sports. In all sports. It, it is become, Not just soccer. It's become too micromanaged. Video by, games, by electronics, clubs. right? Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I want my kids playing in the backyard. I want my kids playing up the field, playing pickup. That was the secret to our success at Kentwood. I mean, honestly, Pat Patterson, if you went out there during the summer, you'd see my whole program out there playing pickup. I mean, every single guy. And that's what you want with no coaches, you know, standing over their shoulder. There's love in the game and having fun. From St. Joseph to Midland, this show is huge. In the Den with Dan Dickerson. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code HUGE for a special offer when you sign up. That's code HUGE, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. The calendar has flipped to a new month, and July is looking like it could be a very big month for the 2023 Tigers, because a good month could make for some interesting decisions at trade deadline time. It's certainly possible. Matt Manning just came off the injured list. Tarek Skubal, Eduardo Rodriguez will be coming off in the next two days. Bo Brisky will be added to the bullpen, Akil Badu and a guy named Riley Green are also coming back. A.J. Hinch has made it clear. He just wants his guys to think about winning today. The more wins you get, the more you factor into a division race. Well, given all the players coming back, the Tigers have a great chance to show they can be a major factor in the Central Division race this year. Huge here for the Michigan High School Athletic Association. You can stay up to date on the latest from Lansing 24-7 at MHSAA.com. At MHSAA on Twitter and MHSAA on Facebook. The latest news, press releases, and stories connected to every high school in the state of Michigan available for you 24-7 from the Michigan High School Athletic Association. Log on to MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, and MHSAA on Facebook. And if you're looking for archive boys and girls, High School Sports, MHSAA.TV. 
That's MHSAA.TV. 24-7, everything you need to know about high school sports in Michigan. Log on to MHSAA.com. Shop for July 4th with just one stop at Meyer. Right now, buy one, get one free 80% lean ground beef and Kingsford Twin Pack Charcoal Briquettes for $17.88. Plus, get 50% off the entire stock of swimwear for the family. Buy five, save $5 on Pepperidge Farm Buns, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, 7-Up, or Dr. Pepper products, plus deposit where applicable, and Lay's Potato Chips. Get more for your money with the same prices online and in-store at Meyer. Exclusion Supply. See all the deals in the Meyer app. Disturbed. The Take Back Your Life Tour. Labor Day Monday, September 4th at Soaring Eagle. And same show, same night, Stained. Tickets start at $34 and on sale now at the Soaring Eagle box office or etix.com. Party hard, rock harder. And it's been a while. Disturbed and Stained. Labor Day Monday. Part of the Soaring Eagle Summer Outdoor Concert Series. At Mercantile Bank, we believe in empowering the communities we serve and that financially strong individuals and families are vital for building strong communities. That's why we're committed to providing budgeting tools and interactive resources designed to help you take charge of your finances. Our friendly staff is always here to help answer questions and provide solutions to help you reach your goals. Call, stop in, or visit us online at MercBank.com to learn more. And let's help you make today count. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. We are back on The Huge Show across Michigan. and One of the great high school soccer coaches the sport has ever seen in Michigan, John Conlon, who is one of our soccer insiders. Beyond high school, everything club, college, pro, World Cup and more, Women's World Cup in New Zealand, Australia this summer. Uh, John also made the prediction many years ago that Ronaldo and Messi would finish their pro soccer careers uh, in MLS. Uh, Ronaldo took the big money to go to Saudi Arabia for a couple of years, but Lionel Messi turned down a monster money from that Saudi Arabian public investment fund and he decided to sign on with Inner Miami. Uh, MLS's debut reportedly set for July 21st, so no big surprise there. Yeah, he uh, and he still got gas in the tank. I mean, a lot of these guys when they come over to the MLS, uh, you know, Henri and Ibrahimovic and and Beckham, like they're still good, but they're not, you know, the world class players they were. And and he is definitely still a top ten player in the world. And that's it's it's big for the MLS for sure. I, I do think Ronaldo. I, I'd be shocked if he doesn't come over at the end of it. I mean, what's a forty-two-year-old Ronaldo have to lose but to come and just you know be a, a savior for the MLS? I I would think the just the publicity he'll get just coming over that will happen at some point. I would think too. Yeah, they're calling the one seminal moment in the history of soccer in the U.S. Oh. with Messi. Uh, come on now, let's be honest. Pele coming over to play for the Cosmos was a pretty big moment in the 70s. Somebody who wrote that, obviously, is a part of the younger generation. I, I, this doesn't change soccer in our country. Let's, well, that was going to be my next question. No, come on. It, it definitely creates excitement, and it creates excitement for the MLS. Uh, and, yeah, he'll play have 
two or three, maybe four years where he's playing in the MLS and people will sell out every single game. And that's great for the league. And it is all about the league because Messi coming over validates it for a lot of international players now who may look at MLS teams as an option, either early, mid, or late in their careers. Well, why do people come to the MLS? It's because, money. Yeah, exactly. And so now the league's starting to make money and starting to make good money, and the contracts are starting to become pretty reasonable. That's that's what's going to entice people. It's not Messi coming over here. Like No one else is getting a contract like he's getting. I mean, that, just like... David Beckham, when he went to L.A., was making, what, $182 million or something, where the whole rest of the team was making $2 million. It, it, it will definitely change the game. It's good for the league. By the way, uh, one note, uh, the tickets for uh, Miami's League's Cup match against Cruz Azul out of uh, Mexico, uh, prior to Messi signing in Miami, those tickets for that July 21st game were $29. Uh, on the secondary market. Why didn't I buy a bunch of them? 24 hours <laughs> on, 24 hours after Messi's announcement of going to enter Miami, uh, the cheapest ticket now uh, was $329. It's crazy. It's, I, I, I personally, unless it was a World Cup, would never pay that kind of money to go see anyone. You know, and he's off of winning the World Cup with Argentina. So you know the timing is uh, when, when you talk about the timing. And Pele wasn't with with us uh, in the U.S. when he was playing in their social networks and nine thousand no. no. channels. And speaking of TV, reportedly in turning down the Saudis, Messi got a piece of the MLS package with Apple. Oh, of course. He's uh, not just coming over for a contract. He's get, He'll probably own the MLS by the time he's And done. I think it's part ownership in the yeah. team, too. <laughs> I mean, you know, he... He, you know, they're like he turned down what reportedly it was a two hundred million for two years or something. I have no idea. He has, so, the, he has so much money. Yeah, but that it. Saudi public investment fund they have six hundred billion in it. Well known for the live tour. Yeah, there's even talk that they might bankroll the SEC network or something. Oh my goodness! Well, their plan is to have a footprint or handprints in sports all around the world. That doesn't sound good. Honestly, well, they they want to do it. They want to do it to draw business and tourism to Saudi Arabia. That's their goal with this public they, they investment. Want to make, they want to make money, right? <laughs> well, they want to make, which in turn, they, you know, makes money. Yeah. So they, they want to go after you know SEC network is and SEC is popular in America. They don't have some grandiose plans to improve sports in the U.S. They have some grandiose plans make to money. make a lot of money. And reportedly, by the end of the decade, that. Public investment fund currently at six hundred billion, well known for the deal with the PGA tour, will be worth one trillion. Here's the problem with that, though. So, like what we just talked about earlier, Miami now is going to have this academy. Is it going to be fully funded? Are these six hundred billion dollars going to be invested in American kids playing for free for Miami? I, I, I doubt it. <laughs> I, I doubt it. You know, there's, it's not going to happen. It's going to be a lot of money for the Saudi Arabian people, you know, who own the live tour when they start buying into the MLS. And this is not the path. We money, want. money runs, money rules the world. It does. Just Tears for Fears actually recut the song. <laughs> not everybody rules the world. Money rules the world is pretty good. It sounds old school. John Conlon, our soccer insider. Thanks for the time in studio. Hey, I appreciate it. Mark this down. The U.S. is on a positive trajectory, but they're not going to win a men's World Cup in the next 30 years. 
Sorry if that breaks your heart, people out there. Uh, Don't forget, John is heading up the U.S. Soccer Fan Club. More details during our next broadcast. Sounds good. Everything huge, 24-7 at thehugeshow.net. Hey, it's Brett from the Michigan Sports Network for my friends on the DraftKings Casino app. So if you're a fan of the classic casino games like blackjack, slots, roulette, well, you can find all of those classics and exclusive games you can't find anywhere else on DraftKings Casino. And right now they've got a great deal going for new customers who sign up with promo code HUGE. All you got to do is sign up, deposit at least $5, and you can get a match on that first deposit and score up to $2,000 in casino bonus funds. Not only does DraftKings Casino have all the classic games and exclusive games, but it's safe, secure, and reliable, so when you do win money, you can withdraw your cash whenever you're ready. Just download the DraftKings Casino app now and sign up with promo code HUGE and get a match on your first deposit of $5 or more up to $2,000 in casino bonus funds. Only on DraftKings Casino with promo code HUGE. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, Call the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services Gambling Disorder Helpline at 1-800-270-7117. 21 and up, Michigan only, one per opted in customer. Minimum $5 deposit, max match $2,000. Deposit and bonus amount require 15 times playthrough within 30 days. See terms at casino.draftkings.com slash players choice. Restrictions apply. Bill Simonson here with a message from my good friend Josh Garvey. Now, he's the new managing shareholder for Bean Garter. At the end of the year, they'll be merging with Doran Mayhew, and they'll be stronger together as one of America's top accounting and business firms. And speaking of business, if you're a business owner, decision maker, Bean Garter has retirement planning services in combination with Dorn Mayhew that can help take a lot of work off of your plate. Third-party administrator for 401k and 403b plans. They plan, document, design, and have maintenance of all plans. They can help you today. Go to BeanGarter.com for more information, annual employer reporting, Form 58955 preparation and filing, and compliance testing. So let BeanGarter help you with your retirement planning services for your company. Stronger together now with Dorn Mayhew. You can find out more at BeanGarter.com. That is B-E-E-N-E-G-A-R-T-E-R.com. There are 13 folds that bring the American flag to the iconic shape of freedom. This summer, Folds of Honor and Budweiser celebrate 13 years of changing military and first responder lives together. Service never stops, and neither will we. So join me in raising a Budweiser to raise funds for Folds of Honor. Enjoy responsibly. Anheuser-Busch Budweiser Lager Beer, St. Louis, Missouri. I'm Matt Shepard, the voice of Detroit baseball. I'm Herman Moore, and football is my game. So we know a few things about sports. And the passion of Detroit fans. That's why we're big fans of Eagle Casino and sports. It's the mobile sports book that lets you bet on action all year long. Right from your mobile device. Eagle Casino and sports. Made in Michigan. Made for Michigan. Download the app and start winning today. Must be 21 or older and in Michigan to play. Drive for a cause at Mini on the Mac on August 4th and 5th. Hundreds of Mini Cooper owners will come together to experience a unique trip across the world-famous Mackinac Bridge. Mini on the Mac also raises vital funds for biomedical research at Van Andel Institute in Grand Rapids. Not only will you have a great time, but you'll also be supporting a great cause. Register now at MiniOnTheMac.com to be a part of this one-of-a-kind event. That's MiniOnTheMac.com. Register today. 
You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. We are back on The Huge Show across Michigan. Final segment on this Monday, the third day of July. Thank you to Superfly Hayes for his incredible work. Remember, if you missed any of our podcast, any of our huge opinions, hours, or full shows, all you have to do is search The Huge Show where you download podcasts. We are everywhere, Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, Podbean, and more. Just search The Huge Show where you download podcasts and catch up and listen on your schedule. Big. Bad. Huge. 